Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Get Geek Podcast, where we celebrate geek, nerd, and pop culture. Each week, we deliver the best analysis for fans, by fans, on anything related to movies, TV, video games, comics, anime, and manga. We talk geek. And now, here's the Get Geek Podcast. Hey, what's going on, Internet? Welcome to another episode of the Get Geek Podcast. How are you all doing this week? We hope you're enjoying a great week. We hope you're enjoying all of the geek culture, all of the awesome content that's been coming out as of late. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Um, this week, we're going to discuss a couple of of recent releases and some new episodes of some shows that are that we've been watching recently. Um, but first a couple of disclaimers, we'll leave you hanging a little bit on what we're going to talk about this week. Um, cliffhanger, cliffhanger, some, some disclaimers this week, as always, we are recording remotely in order to be as safe as we possibly can. So please let us, uh, you know, bear with us, I should say when it comes to any sound issues or artifacts or any other audio problems that you hear on the podcast this week, we're doing our best every single week to improve more and more and more and more and try and get better. And we hope that you have been enjoying the podcast and that the sound quality has been good enough, but let us know if there are any issues, please. Also, if you like the podcast, the best way to support us is to like rate, share, and subscribe to the podcast. We are available on all your favorite podcast platforms. Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, iTunes, Amazon Music. Basically, we're where we are available wherever your favorite podcasts are sold. So please like, rate, share, and subscribe. The crew appreciates it. And again, that's the best way to support your favorite podcast crew. We appreciate all of you that have supported us in the past. And uh, thank you to all of you that have and will support us in the future. We really appreciate it. So anyways... Let's do uh, introductions real quick. My name is Jose. Eli. AJ. And this is Walt. All right, guys. So this week, let's end this cliffhanger here. Let's talk about what we're going to talk about. We have three topics to talk about this week, three things that we're going to touch base upon. First off, we have the most recent Minecraft Live update, and we're going to get some insight on that from AJ and Eli. Following that, we're going to give some impressions of Star Wars Squadrons, the recent release of the Star Wars Flight Simulator game that just came out this past week. Uh, we will be giving our PS4 impressions since we're all playing it on the PS4. I do hear there's some PC issues, but we'll get to that later. And um, number one for the week, the big news for the week or the big discussion for the week, I should say, is The Boys Season 2, Episode 7. Holy crap. We're going to talk about that episode, and we are going to give a little bit of predictions for the Season 2 finale, Episode 8, which comes out on Amazon Prime this friday or thursday really because i've been watching it at about 10 p.m on thursday every week i don't know about you guys anyways let's get to it aj and eli why don't you guys tell us a little bit about your impressions and about what's included in the latest update for minecraft minecraft live all right so to start off i'm gonna 
sort of give us some setting and get the ambiance rolling in here. So this is as per the Minecraft website, minecraft.net. And I just want to read this opening statement to the update. Quote, yes, yes, it's happening. All of you proved once and for all that enough commenting, pleading, and campaigning will get you anything. Eventually. True. Eli, Eventually. you want to you, you wanna shed some light on this, uh, this statement here? So let me just put it this way. The okay. fan base has waited a good at least three years, I would say. For this, I'm pretty sure about a three, a good three years. That's how long they've been asking for these. All right. These. It's a it recent. I'm items. pretty sure it recently wow. started popping up during 2020. That's when it started to get really Serious. emphasized and people started campaigning and stuff. But we finally got it. Finally. So this was an actual event that they hosted, right? Micro, uh, yes. Minecraft Live 2020. Yeah, it was it was two hours and. <laughs> so what, suffice, what was... suffice to say, Eli was super stoked while he was watching it. He was the only one that was watching it at the time because we were actually very busy. But every five seconds, he would come out and say, "Dude, dude." <laughs> Eli, have you yes. been playing a lot of Minecraft recently? I don't know if I've heard that you've played it as much as of here's, late. Here's the rub. I yeah. haven't really been. I've I've kind of lost. It's been my corny. Minecraft stuff. If, oh, God. <laughs> if if I said yes, then there would be a whole reason for it. But I'm curious. It, it's, what's it's just, well? I'm I'm curious to be honest. What a, what's? I mean, we all fall off of video games from time to time. But what is? What's the reason? If you don't mind my asking. I, I know a lot of people are going to say that, yes, if you fall off of a specific game that you're a super fan of, mm-hmm. technically that doesn't make you a fan. At least... Not a super fan. Not a super fan. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. if anything, I, I really started thinking that Minecraft started to get a little bit more simple. And... The only okay. thing that's been really saving it was the YouTubers, like Dream and PewDiePie. So mm-hmm. it, it 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 hasn't released as much content as the the fan base wants it to, and but that that completely changed. I'll I'll say that that completely changed okay. with the Minecraft caves, caves and, and cliffs. cliffs update, and there is a lot to unpack. Tell us about it. Oh, I'm curious. Boy. I'm curious what they've added to the best-selling video game of all time. So one of the complete overhauls that they did, one of the biggest selling points of the update, arguably, is that they've massively updated their caves. There are now, like, what, mini biomes within the caves? Yeah, um, three specifically. And then the thing that I'm... Other than that, the thing I'm most excited about about it is that they completely changed cave generation. Mm-hmm. So it looks entirely different. There are going to be lakes, like little bodies of water under under the uh, inside the cave. Oh, so like groundwater. Yeah, like groundwater. Cave lakes. Cave lakes. 
there's going to be stalagmites and stalactites. Which look mm-hmm. cool. Super cool. <laughs> so they changed a lot. There's foliage down in the caves also. Oh, foliage, yeah. Um, okay. But that's part of one of the specific biomes that we're going to get into. Lush caves, they're called. Yeah. Okay. No, okay so it's a graphical update. It's a update in terms of the, the things that you can build in terms yeah. of the things that are in the game. Okay, so, I, I I do have a, a small question before you guys get to yeah. the rest of what's included in the update, um, and I, I mean, or maybe I actually, I guess I should say I have a statement that I think is behind this. Also, don't you guys think that maybe the release of all this great new content that you've been waiting for for so long might have something to do with the fact that Minecraft is going to be coming to the new Xbox with graphical updates, with ray tracing. Um, do you think that this is a way to kind of hype up the game again before Xbox Series X comes out? Well, we we have to clarify the the statement because it mm. is an announcement of a release. This stuff you're not going to see until summer of 2021. Oh, I so see. This is, so this okay. is not a release proper. This is more of an announcement of what's to come. Okay. They're, they're speculating it's probably going to hit you know, Minecraft somewhere around July of or August of 2021. So we're talking about um, something that is not going to show up. Yeah, almost 10 months. So. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, but I, so I kind of do believe. Hmm? Uh-huh. Go ahead. I, I kind of do believe it is a way to hype up Minecraft for the Xbox Series 1X because if you think about it, Yes, it's coming out 2021. I don't really remember when the Xbox One X is coming out, but... Uh, next month. Yeah, very soon. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so then it's <laughs> definitely a way to hype it up. Cause yeah. That, mm-hmm. Yeah, it's going to be... If you put ray tracing on all of the content that they... If there's ray tracing for the content that they came out with, things mm-hmm. are going to be a little bit crazy. <laughs> And it's going to be beautiful, I think. I mean, it's very good looking when you put ray tracing yeah. on even the older versions oh, of the yeah. game. Mm-hmm. And considering one of the new items is crystals in caves. Oh, oh boy. Yeah. That's definitely yeah. a Series X like update. Because, I mean, I look at it this way. Um, even though it, the Series X is coming out next month and this game is not coming out until the summer, there's a reason why they announced it right now, I feel like. So that oh, no they can kind of hype people up. What else did they did they add to the update that you guys are really excited about, like well, beyond okay. the, the new geometry and things of that nature and the caves and all of that? Yeah, so um, just to wrap up uh, about the cave generations, the actual names of these biomes, we, we already talked about the one. The foliage, <laughs> all that, that's called the lush, the lush caves. And... The ones featuring stalagmites and stalactites, they're called dripstone caves. So and, that okay. wraps that up. And we, there's also two other differences in the caves. Okay. Um, so we have one of the other biomes is the skulk biome. No, the deep dark. That's what it's called. Um, which features mm-hmm. new blocks that are related to something called the skulk. And we'll get to that. Okay. okay. We'll get to that. But um, they also have crystal geodes. Yeah, that's right. basically the crystals we yeah. were talking and about. Yeah. What you mentioned, yeah. That's we'll get into really cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we'll, we'll get into that too after. Okay. 
so now I'm just going to run down some of the new items that we're, we're getting here. So I already mentioned crystals. Mm-hmm. You can use those crystals, if, I'm, if I remember correctly, to make telescopes, right? Yeah. Interesting. And telescopes are really awesome because... Oh. Isn't it copper? That, copper that and crystals. The, oh, you use both? It's a, like a recipe? Which yeah. we'll get into oh, copper, right. too. Yeah, like My a bad. I recipe of sorts, I guess. See, right? I only saw the 17-minute the <laughs> video that... Eli sent me, so I, I'm, I'm. There's a lot yeah. of stuff that I guess I'm missing yeah. in there. I've only ever watched Eli play, and I've not played it myself, to be frank. Yeah. Yeah. I know it's I a good game. It. I'm not taking anything away from it, but mm-hmm. yeah, it's it's really good game. The, I also um, want to hear your thoughts real quick. I, there's well, one I, thing that I'm very excited about, but you haven't touched upon it, so I'm gonna wait till okay. you guys get to it. Okay. So um, I have, have one one small question, if I if I may as well. Um, And maybe you're going to get to this, and I understand that. I don't want to throw you off the the topic too much. But with the telescopes, what what implication does that have? Are there other planets and stars in Minecraft? That's something that I'm not familiar with. I was just about to get to that. Go for it. So with the telescopes, um, at least as far as, like, you see the usage of it, Mm -hmm. it's not so much that you're looking towards the stars, though that is kind of a, that is kind of, you know, kind of sus yes. you want, yeah. if you want it, it's kind of sus but in terms of the 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 nearsighted implications uh-huh. a lot of people like you have zoom on the bow but it's not like an awesome zoom but with the telescope you can do all sorts of like crazy scouting because you can there there are certain uh, structures you can go to um, like for instance the Pillager Tower, is that what it's called? Yeah. The scope is a very nice way of haha scoping out the situation. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that or if you're an explorer and you've been on the ocean for God knows how long, you really yeah. want that telescope to be like, okay, am I gonna run into land anytime soon? <laughs> because sometimes oceans are ridiculous to traverse. Yeah. I've seen Even some of with the large scale stuff that they've done in Minecraft for sure. Yeah. <laughs> Building whole planets and like all of this other crazy stuff. I know they 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 rebuilt all of Earth in Minecraft. Have have they yeah. not, among other things? Yeah, they yeah, have. they have. Yeah. Okay. That's probably you guys are not even that that excited about it too. That's probably like this one of the smaller things that they've accomplished, it sounds like. It's <laughs> yeah. Like, oh yeah, Earth is in it. Whatever. <laughs> <laughs> the other okay. thing that they went and did. Uh-huh. Was they finally gave us a backpack system, basically oh, okay. excess storage. So one okay. of the Minecraft is great and all, and technically you do have a large inventory, but with a game like Minecraft and the resources you have to accrue, it really just isn't enough. With these new items called bundles, you can store. T- <laughs> more items in your inventory. And mm-hmm. I, I don't think, no, that'd be too broken. You can't stack bundles inside of bundles, right? No, but... <laughs> At least I'm, as far as we've seen. I'm pretty sure you can do that with shulkers. So if they mm-hmm. can, then that would be a little bit crazy. Yeah, okay. like infinite storage. But yeah, that's basically that feature. 
Okay. And then you have the Skulk sensor block. I'm going to throw this one to Eli because I think he knows a little more about it. Yeah, so okay. it's basically like a wireless redstone system. It relates to a new mod that's coming out, but um, it, mm. yeah. <laughs> a wireless, I'm sorry, could, could you say what that was again? I don't think I caught that. A wireless, what sort of system is it? Redstone system. Okay, yeah. so can you, can you tell us what that is a, a little bit? Yeah. Yeah. First, real ex- quick. explain to him what redstone is. Yeah. yeah I'm curious to what that is exactly. Go ahead, please. So redstone is like wiring for sort of electrical. It's how they conduct energy yeah, in Minecraft. Yeah, okay. So you just connect gotcha. it to mm-hmm. like a lever and a piston and piston works. Okay. So a uh, skulk sensor is a wireless redstone system that detects Ooh. noise. So if it hears like you walking around, it's gonna set off a redstone signal, which is okay. crazy. That's a really reason. There's a reason why they put that in there, right? And that's the thing that I'm excited about. Yeah. Okay. So there's oh, this God. new mob. I really the, like this mob. The warden, and oh gosh. <laughs> okay. It's it's basically. It's it's the first blind mob, so you can imagine how terrifying it's going to be. Um, it's it's sort of very alienish from what we see, its design. Very Lovecraftian. Yeah. and Okay. Mm-hmm. Only in the caves, though. And, Only uh, in the caves. That's the reason why and it's blind. Um, the deep dark. Yeah. And, so, these, um, so they're like these giant, scary type monster things, I guess you, said, you could say? Or are they? They're pretty big. Because yeah. I guess... It, Lovecraftian would be a little bit different than than aliens. That's more of a what is it? H.R. Geiger that they're kind of uh, associated with. Okay, so yeah. what else about these creepy alien monsters? Other than the fact, monsters. Mm-hmm. Yeah, other than the fact that with n- full netherite armor, which netherite is the best armor in the game, mm-hmm. netherite armor. Basically, this dude does craps ton of damage. So it, he's it two shots you. Yeah, he's probably comparable to the freaking Ender Dragon, which is the main boss. I want you to imagine this. Mm-hmm. So he almost looks like a Minotaur. This is this, he? this yeah yeah. So uh, uh, you guys all saw a Battle of the Gods, right? Imagine yeah. Netherite armor is Super Saiyan three, uh-huh. and Beerus is the Warden. <laughs> okay, so it's. Yeah. it's yeah, even even your most powerful defenses and attacks do nothing against this character. It seems. Yeah, he's a he's a tank character, as, as okay. they call it. You know. And to make it even more terrifying, other than the fact that this dude does a lot of damage and has a lot of health, which he does, each time you hit him, like with the bow and arrow, he gets mm-hmm. faster yeah. and faster until the point where you're gonna be running for your life. And it's so it's it, crazy. So he really is is like a Dragon Ball or an anime character. He's like, I'm not even using all of my speed, and then like yeah. just blitzes you after you hit him a couple of times. Yeah. But it, it does it does provide an interesting dynamic that wasn't there in Minecraft before because you mm-hmm. had the abilities, and this is from the video that I that you sent me, Eli. Yeah. That there is an ability. They've you've always had the ability to be able to throw stuff. But there was really no consequence to throwing stuff. But now, if you're in the deep dark and you've got this warden around you, you now have the ability to take a snowball to kind of throw him off your scent. Because since he's blind, he's using his his hearing as his main 
source of trying to find things. So now, mm-hmm. you know, uh, you have the ability to kind of throw him off your scent by using, you know, various items that you have in your inventory, you know, to kind of distract him and, and get him away from you, so to speak. Um, but yeah, the, the whole thing is that he's really unstoppable almost, you know, it, it, yeah. you hit him, he gets more angry and then he starts speeding up and then he starts charging you and then two hits and you're dead. So, <laughs> it, you know, it, it really, it really does create a new dynamic for the cave system because now sneaking around, which is something that you could do, but there was really nothing, nothing to it. Now it yeah. takes that much more importance when you're in that cave system and you know that these wardens are kind of lurking around. There was never anything to fear in the dark until now. (laughs) And you want to know the worst part? Yeah. Yeah. The The lighting, right? Not even that. Around where the deep dark is, that's where you get diamonds, no? Yeah, I'm pretty sure. And diamonds are a precursor to at least getting to, like, netherite. So even just getting to netherite which does next to nothing, you're going to have a little time in the caves. And, and the, thing, the thing about it that makes the warden a little bit terrifying is that mm-hmm. the lighting changes when he's around because the, it, the, the deep dark is... The deep dark. The deep so. dark. It's dark, so you have to put up torches all over the place. But even then, if he's around, those torches tend to flicker and dim. Yeah. So then the whole map and you know where you're at just <laughs> darkens just a little bit and it comes so back just... up and darkens and comes back up so you're getting that feeling of you know what's around the corner which which is pretty pretty cool right guys yeah. and uh yeah. real quick I think, the other thing yeah. that it yeah mm-hmm. no i was just gonna oh. say i think it bears repeating that that's gonna look really cool on on an xbox series x with really Absolutely. cool ray tracing lighting yeah. effects you know, that's going to make that part of the game scarier and more interesting. Mm-hmm. This mob actually roars, which is something new. But <laughs> anyway. So it, we're going to... bad guy that was actually built into the game as opposed to what are those bad guys that were pigs or whatever first and they like turn them into those green Oh, monsters? yeah. <laughs> the, the zombie pigmen? Yeah. Yeah, no, yeah. these this this warden makes the Ender Dragon, which is like supposed to be the end game boss, look like a chump. Yeah, this this <laughs> totally turns everything around, right? But moving nah. on. Uh another part of the update that has been supremely asked for is an update to the mountains in Minecraft. Now okay. they're not just gonna look like silly plateaus, they're gonna look yeah. like actual mountains. And oh, accompanying okay. these mountains. Are mountain goats. And snowy or snow. Yes, and snowy or snow. <laughs> but you want to know the best thing about these mountain goats? Uh-huh. If you piss them off, they will punch you off the mountain. <laughs> they will punt you relent- w- w- without Ram. remorse. Ram. They just like kick yeah. you and off and you fall to your yeah, death, I guess. <laughs> the, the, the best part about it is they have this thing called knockback. And so uh-huh. that means instead of going one to two yeah. blocks and, oh, okay, I can just go right back up. They're going to punch you like 10 blocks off and there's going to be no way you recover. So it likely means you're dead. It's like the thing in Skyrim, right? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. The Froshuda. And I imagine that they, they cannot be removed from the mountain in any way, seeing as how mountain goats basically in real life climb yeah. up like a vertical mountain somehow. <laughs> yeah, they're indigenous to the to the area. So it's not like oh, you can make goodness. them all go extinct. <laughs> And uh, the other thing that 
it's just a brief mention. Mm-hmm. There's snowier snow, so that means there's going to be a lot more snow. And mm-hmm. there's going to be trap snow. I, I don't know. What, I don't remember what it's called. But basically, it's snow that you can fall right through. It's powdered snow. It's powdered. Yeah, powdered snow. Yeah. So that's going to be crazy. So it's going to fall right. into the earth occasionally yeah. out of nowhere. <laughs> <laughs> the last two things, and this is going to be so. The last two things is now they've not only not on top of all of this this beautiful ice cream, you have two cherries on the top. Mm-hmm. One is archaeology and copper, and that's you like that. That's part of one, yeah. and that basically adds another layer to your world. Like before, you kind of had your your hints with past civilizations and history with things like the jungle temples, the sandstone temples, and like uh, shipwrecks. Shipwrecks. Now you can actually find ruins and actually do archaeological digs. Like you you, you silt away gravel and you can find something. And -hmm. you can start telling like the story of, you know, you can start, piecing together the story of what the past in your world was like. And there's also, like, pottery to help you tell that story. Exactly. And then the last thing that's a part of this archaeology thing is copper. And that is an amazing touch, too, because Mm -hmm. not only is it a new ore, but it also adds to the history, too, because they added the chemical, uh, a real-life chemical phenomenon that's known as patina. So that basically mm-hmm. speaks to how old the copper is and how long it's been there. So yeah. it and again, it just to, uh, adds to that. Basically rusts, right? Yeah. yeah. Isn't that, is uh, AJ, cool. that's that's basically, I'm sure you're aware of this, that's what uh, what happened to the Statue of Liberty, is it not? That kind yes. of discoloration yeah. over time? That's what, mm-hmm. what yeah. That's, that's what you're saying. Okay. And it, and it, it cool, even actually. turns green. Yeah. It, yeah, goes, really it goes cool. from copper to green, yeah. So, yeah. which is perfect. And uh, there's also a lightning rod so that your house doesn't burn down. <laughs> okay. And then the very last thing, perhaps the most game-changing thing aside from the warden, mm-hmm. is this new mob, mob or pet called the Axolot. And what this thing does, they, they call this thing, they nicknamed it in the video, the cutest predator in Minecraft. <laughs> you want to know what this thing does? Uh-huh. Traversing the oceans was annoying because of a couple things. One, you had this mob called the Drowned, which are like underwater zombies. And they have these things, you know, they have tridents. They just make your life a living hell. And you also have the deep sea temples, which are guarded by guardians. And then the Elder Guardian, which is the boss of the deep sea temples. These axolots are like... (laughs) So what you can do is you can find these things. Where do you find them? Caves or like? Uh, Lush caves. Lush caves. Yeah. You find them in lush caves. And what you can do is you can bring them in a bucket and you can basically make them your pet. But what you can also do (laughs) is you can take them with you on deep sea exploration and they will act like guard dogs. They're like the wolves, right? Exactly. (laughs) They they function much like the wolves in the regular biome. But there right? is yeah. one distinct distant d- d- difference that makes them so broken. When they get close to dying, they will play dead and mobs won't attack them. 
And uh, as they're not okay. attacking them, that is okay. they will regenerate health. Oh, that is definitely OP. <laughs> and imagine leading armies of Yes, those. and they said you can build an army of these that things. That is definitely overpowered. It yeah. just completely changes the way you approach discovering and adventuring in the ocean. It's it blew my mind when I first thought when I first saw that. I was like, "Are you kidding me?" It's adding basically completely new games to this game is what it really yes. sounds like. I know Minecraft has always been popular for like something you can you can make games in Minecraft pretty much, right? So this is going to give mm-hmm. you more options for that. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's just it's like it's like Eli said. It's just a complete overhaul, and it's basically <laughs> everything the fans could possibly have wanted, and more. That's awesome! Yeah, it sounds that, like you guys are really excited about this. Oh wait, yeah. There's yeah. one more thing, right? Yeah. There's one more. So, thing. Okay. Yeah. So so Tell Minecraft not. Minecraft Live Minecon is famous for their voting, right? Yeah. So there's there's a there's a thing that they do where they put it out to the crowd and they put it out to the players and they said, you know, we are introducing a new mob. Which one do you guys want? So Democracy. I think so I think um the <laughs> the choices were um the 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 archaeologist, but the the ice guy, what, what's his name? The iceologer. The iceologer. And the the glow squid. Glow squid. And was the a third one, right? The mooblum. The the move whatever Boom. it is, right? <laughs> so from the w- video that you sent me, usually yeah. the players usually get it wrong and they they choose like the most obscure mob and yeah. sometimes the mobs are broken and it actually you know negatively affects the actual gameplay of the of Minecraft, right? Yeah. Okay. You know? Yeah. But it seems like and like I said, especially with the video that you sent me, the guy actually liked the fact that they chose Glow Squid. Glow Squid. So that's the new mob chosen by the players. Which um what do you guys think about that? Because I, I it looks cool, but I don't know how that yeah. would impact the game per se. Um there's this one thing that it can do it it has the ability to distract you and it's it's a little bit weird your eyes glow according to like the video that we saw your eyes glow and you're just distracted and paralyzed so you'll you'll be drowning underwater so it's like nice. hypnosis yeah oh, okay. and i'm i'm i don't know what they're gonna add to it <laughs> but we could possibly have a glowing die and that's all i'm gonna say okay and just to uh, wrap up the whole minecraft update thing I actually think now that I'm looking at it, it's a very good counterbalance, even though the possibility of drowning does seem a little like, ah. Yeah. (laughs) Especially, like, it was already, it's already enough that you have crazy scary things like the warden out there and the, and the, oh shoot, I'm blanking right now. The, the, Uh, uh, no, not and the mountain goats. Oh, yeah. and the mountain okay. goats. Okay, because believe it or not, <laughs> those way off. <laughs> no, those are. Believe me, those are those will be scary. Um, yeah. they're totally op. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think if you added the isologer on top of that, that would have mm-hmm. been like because the isologer also had like uh, you had to approach mountain going and going into like the ice biomes very differently correct yeah so i think the glow squid is sort of a nice counterbalance like 
it could be OP, but at the same time, it's like, oh, it's a glowing squid. You know, the iceologer, yeah. the way you describe it, it reminds me of the big Yeti in the old Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer <laughs> cartoons. Yeah. <laughs> or you had to be scared of yeah. him going up into the mountains. The Evolve so, Snow Band looking Yeah, dude. there you go. Exactly. Mm-hmm. That guy. I remember that. Yeah. I used to love those. We all used to love those, I feel like, when we were kids. Yeah. I remember all that claymation stuff. But all in all, this just doesn't. It just it just seems like it's an update to everything: the oceans, the caves, the mountains, and just everything. Honestly, you guys are super excited about this update. Yeah, I could tell, and well, I can't wait for you to get into. I'm it. I'm going to get into it. I'm going to try it. I'm going to try my hand in it. I, I listen. I've built stuff before in Minecraft. You know, it just takes I mean, me a year and a half just to make a room, but at <laughs> least I've done it, right? So I have played it. So, <laughs> yeah, it's it's a really good, and awesome game. It sounds like it's going to be really exciting. I wonder, and this is just maybe a rhetorical question, but I wonder if this is like maybe one of the last updates they're going to come out with since it's so big, and maybe they're going to start considering no. a Minecraft no. two. That no. would be a bad yeah. idea. They're used to doing like a year a year cycle with these updates, right? And yeah. I think with mm-hmm. COVID. COVID kind of dashed everything with, with this year's update, right? Mm-hmm. So I, I, I think they're they're kind of doubling down um, with I this see. update for 2021 because we skipped, mm-hmm. we skipped an update this year. And they're usually notorious for doing yearly updates, right? Yeah. So mm-hmm. maybe that's why this, this update seems so huge because they're kind of packing in two years worth of stuff. Yeah. Understood. But well, as as we get more information on the update, as we get impressions, and once you guys get your hands on it and start to play it, you know that us here at the podcast crew are definitely going to give our impressions of the new Minecraft live updates uh, once yeah. we get our hands on them, as I said. Sounds really There's exciting. Yeah, it sounds really exciting. I'm glad that you guys were able to give us a little bit of insight on that because I know Minecraft is hugely popular, and Walt and I are kind of dropping the ball by not playing it because everybody does. But we are playing something else right now. This is what's distracting us from Minecraft. Uh, Recently released. Recently released. Yeah. You know, I was working on that for like the entire time. (laughs) No, I'm kidding. Um, Anyway, so we're playing another game right now on PlayStation 4. As we mentioned earlier in the podcast, we are are playing Star Wars Squadrons on PlayStation 4. As I mentioned, they recently released star wars flight simulator which is essentially what it is um before we you know get a little deeper into it we haven't played a ton of the story yet so there's probably not going to be a ton of spoilers we'll try to stay away from that but what about basic impressions on this game so far it's a 40 dollars game so let's keep that in mind it's technically not an entirely full game yeah Uh, but i'd like to know what you guys think about it what do you think about the game so far in the couple of days that you've had a chance to mess with it walt well, All right. Um, before we go, Eli needs to make an announcement. Yeah, What's that? I I gotta hop off. Yeah, Are you he's got, is everything okay? No, he's got this huge art project that's due on Monday, the day that oh, we release. So mm-hmm. he he's gotta he's gotta go and get artistic right now. So well, then you know um, what, um, Eli, before you go, you've played the game a little bit. Why don't you just give us very brief impressions, and then we'll let you go and get to work. Does that sound okay? Yeah, okay. That's that's fine. Um, All right. You you played the fleet battles yeah. AI mode. Yeah, and mm-hmm. so far the mechanics are crazy. 
Like, mm-hmm. I, I especially like how they did it in first person because it makes it more of a realistic experience to put yourself mm-hmm. into the actual ship. And all in all, like, it's just the fighting style. Dog fighting is going to be crazy for this. And I can't wait to try multiplayer. Mm-hmm. But it's it's really, it's like putting yourself into, like, the movies where you're where you're actually sent out to do a mission. It's and it's what you call wish fulfillment because everybody yeah. wishes that they could jump into an X-wing fighter or a Tie fighter and mm-hmm. relive some of those those battles, right? Yeah, and my God, it makes you feel like a god when you do something crazy. <laughs> when you do something crazy, you'll be like, you'll put yourself on like the freaking front banner of a newspaper if you have to. But that's like. <laughs> It's 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 a really crazy game, and I can't wait for everybody to ha- sh- share their impressions. But, okay. Yeah. All right. Very, very awesome. Thank you for giving us quick impressions, Eli. I understand you have some stuff to do today. Thank yeah. you for joining us, and go get your work done. And we'll, okay. we'll definitely make sure to represent your, your opinions as much as we can in the rest of the podcast. Thank you, Eli. See you guys later. Later, dude. See you later. 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 All right. Um, so that said, Walt, what what uh, were your impressions of the game so far? Basic impressions of playing it. So I have a, a, a love hate relationship with EA um, mm-hmm. because EA, <laughs> it, particularly with Star Wars, because <laughs> they they deep. yeah they they <laughs> they've done some things with the Star Wars franchise that you know are a little questionable. Star Wars Battlefront. Um, you know, you look at the old Star Wars Battlefront games, and those are beloved, but you look at the new set, and while they look beautiful, um, they haven't been as well received. Now, a lot of it was with the early decisions that EA made in terms of loot boxes and things of that nature, and I will have to say that they have vastly improved that franchise um, with the updates that they've done since, you know, the vitriol that they got at the very beginning. Oh, yeah. Um, but then you look at a, at a, a thing like Jedi Fallen Order, which was a fantastic game. You know what I'm saying? Um, so, you know, they, they seem to have, no pun intended, righted the ship, right? And so now we have Star Wars Squadrons that they've released. Um, Star Wars Squadrons is, and I'm, I'm sure you're going to bring this up, Jose, because you were a huge fan of those games. It mm-hmm. reminds me a lot of TIE, X-Wing versus TIE Fighter. Yeah. Um and and it arkens back to those days when you you were sitting at a PC with a flight stick and, and things <laughs> of that nature. And it seems like this is probably the, the best way to play this type of game. Already um, considering it. <laughs> yeah, you know. The problem is is that, you know, for a lot of the people that are into Star Wars, um, I don't know if this may excite them because it's not an easy game to get into i'm gonna be honest you you have to have a love for flight sims um and like eli said if you get good at it you will feel like a god in space because some of the things that you can do with the game are astonishingly incredible um i just for me, you know, it's been a while since I, I played a flight sim, and I'm not counting Ace Combat because Ace Combat is a very arcadey style. And I think that's the last one that I played, which was Ace Combat 6. Mm-hmm. Um, I found myself, while admiring the beauty of it, um, I, I think I played, I played mostly the story mode, 
Mm-hmm. Um, the interface to story mode is a little bit clunky for me in terms mm-hmm. of when you're actually interacting with some of the characters. You know, I wish they had had done a couple of things better with that. Okay. The um, the graphics is beautiful. There is no doubt about that. It is a pretty game to watch. It's mm-hmm. a hard game to play. I, you know, I, I started out in, as normal thinking that, you know what, I have some experience. I had to dial it back down to story mode just because it was a little bit difficult to get into. And that was the the story difficulty, right? There's a story right. difficulty or exactly easy, some sort of easy, right? Yeah, okay. I, th- I think it's actually called story mode proper. I think you're right. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I think you're correct. And 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 that's the mode where it's like you're not focusing too much on the mechanics of the game. You're just focusing more on the experience of it and and getting through the story. And I had to kind of dial it back to do that because I found myself a little frustrated with the controls. And again, that's me not being as hardcore a flight sim gamer as probably you would be, Jose, you know? So I, I, I think your level of excitement and your level of approachability is going to be garnered with the type of gamer that you are. If you're mm-hmm. into flight sims, you're going to love this game because, you know, especially when you drop the HUD and you're actually using the actual controls of the ship itself, that's mm-hmm. a flight sims gamer's dream, right? But oh, I yeah. think for for the lay person who, you know, just loves Star Wars for what it is, you know, I think it may be a little bit too um, inaccessible for them. I okay. think you have to get into the story mode to be able to enjoy it. But again, that's it's not a it's not a bad game. I'm not trying to you know frame this as a bad game. It's a very, very good game. But again, it depends on the style of gamer that you are. That's how I, I, I see this game. Yeah, I would agree that the game definitely has a tremendous learning curve if you're not a flight sim fan. Yeah. If you haven't really played flight sims before. Because even if you've played, say, uh, Battlefront 2, for instance, with its, fl- its fighter uh, combat, mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's nothing in terms of difficulty, in terms of what you have to control and what you have to deal with compared to squadrons. Like, there's so much more you have to manage. Um, I definitely agree with you that there, there have been some issues with EA in the recent past where people have had issues with microtransactions and the way you've had to grind through games or like all kinds of issues with the loot boxes and things like that. Thankfully, this game has, has seemed to take the approach that EA has taken in, in recent years or maybe in the last year, I should say, is probably a better way to put it. Yeah. Um, there are There's no purchasable content the loot boxes don't really exist the progression system is fixed it's something that they did with battlefront 2 as well after people complained incessantly about how the progression system worked in that game Uh, they made everything free and they totally changed it so ea yeah they have a track record of being really crappy when it comes to this stuff thankfully this game uh, especially considering it's a 40 dollar game and it's not even essentially in a way a full game Mm-hmm. it's a good that they didn't add a lot of loot boxes to it. I will agree with you. Yeah, the learning curve is crazy. Uh, I'm currently playing it on, there's four difficulty levels. There's story mode, pilot, veteran, and ace. I'm playing it on veteran right now. That's it. That gives you a good idea of, and I have all of the HUD elements off. I, see, I'm using that, just the cockpit. And that, that shows an the type of, of the gamer difference. that you are. That shows the type of gamer that you are. You're you're really invested into these flight sims, which is mm-hmm. awesome. You know, mm-hmm. 
and yeah, I understand it's definitely different for for everyone. And like you said, I played a lot of X Wing versus Tie Fighter and X Wing and Tie Fighter on my PC in my teenage years, like twenty plus years ago. I played so much of that game. Um, but I yeah, you know, I agree with you. But for my my impression so far, like you said, if you like flight simulators, you're gonna love this game. So far, I really, really, really like this game. As you said, the graphics are incredible. Um, I was playing it earlier just to, you know, get a little a little playtime under my belt before we started the podcast. Even my girlfriend was like, this is a really pretty looking game. Like, the graphics are beautiful. It is. It is. Right. It's one of the best Star Wars games in terms of graphics that we've seen thus far. And Battlefront and, and Fallen Order definitely look really, really good. Um, I like the sound design as well. I agree with you also, Walter. I don't think that the way that they set up the story and the way that you go through the missions and and go through the interface where you have to have brief conversations with your squad mates and the briefing room, it all feels a little jaded. I think partially, maybe it's just because we're used to, like when you're in that perspective, you can move around. Because when I first started playing that, yeah, do you agree? I I thought I was trying to move around. So was I. That that hangar instead of like just turning to talk to characters, which is how you do it in this. And let me ask you a question. What what really is the purpose of creating a character if you never see them? You know, I, I, I and, and yeah. again, I'm still early in the story mode, so in the story proper. So, you know, I've only done like four or five missions and the missions are pretty long. They're about 20 to 30 minutes long. It's not this is not a game that you can just jump into really quickly and, and get out of it, especially if you're doing the story. But mm-hmm. To your point, you know, I was the first time that they brought up that interface, I was expecting to be able to kind of explore the hangar, you know, and check out some of the stuff. And I'm moving stuff around. All that's that's happening is I'm looking up and down and, you know, and you and you're you're being pushed toward a button that you have to press. And then there's that very stark transition where it just blacks out and then you're there. You know, there's not Mm -hmm. even that seamless transition. And your character doesn't speak, which is another thing that's weird when I, when I, you're having these interactions. It's almost like your character is a mute character because you're basically watching a conversation between the people, you know, or the, char- the NPCs that are there. And they just happen to look at you and include you in that thing, which is really, really very disconcerting and weird how they do that. Yeah, Sounds like and- the Skyrim conundrum. <laughs> That's similar. That reminds me of Skyrim is like that too. You're right. But it's also similar to the Half-Life games. But to me, it doesn't work quite as well because at first when I started the game, I thought, oh, hey, this is pretty a fairly interesting setup. This is a fairly, fairly interesting story. These characters are pretty cool. But like I've kind of grown bored with that part of the game. I don't yeah. care much for the story other than like Walt said, some of the missions, you have some really, really cool stuff. Or Eli also said like you feel like a badass. Mm-hmm. In some of the missions that where you're flying around, you're you're fighting star destroyers, you're taking out a ton of TIE fighters. But yeah, like it's 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 kind of a little bit too hard for most people. That said, one of the first things I did is something you might want to reconsider is you might want to remap the controls. I don't like the default controls. I might do a couple of other things as well. Mm-hmm. This is a type of game where it's not it's not insane to use a keyboard because if you can get a keyboard connected to your PlayStation four and map certain functions to that keyboard, it's going to make your gameplay a lot easier. Um, I'll give an example. Let's, let's uh, get a little bit more into the meat of the game. 
So the big the big thing that I think and that Walt, I'm sure you noticed that I think is is making this game a lot like the old X-Wing and TIE Fighter games is the power management systems. Yes. Okay? So, which is cool, which is cool the way that. they do it. Which is I really cool love that aspect it. of it. So I'll briefly explain that. Um, the power management system essentially in this game is you have to manage power between, if you're playing for the Rebel Alliance and you have an X-Wing or a Y-Wing or one of those, those ships, you have to manage your power between three systems, your engines, your lasers, uh, and your shields, okay? And you can put power to the, each of the different systems. You'll find as you play the game uh, that being a good flyer is very important, but learning how to manage the power on your spaceship is probably just as important, if not more important, because yeah, you're going to find yourself, yeah, you're going to find yourself throwing your energy to shields and things like that more often, or maybe you need to finish off an enemy and he's trying to get away. You don't have any more laser energy. You're going to, you know, put all your energy to lasers and blast him away. And one of the more fun things also that was in the X-Wing and X-Wing versus TIE Fighter games that ends up being strategically very interesting is where you put your shields. Uh, As you're attacking capital ships, for instance, you might want to put your shields to the front um, and have your, your shields overcharging. So there's all these ways of managing the systems that make this feel less like, again, like Battlefront 2, where you're just flying around and shooting stuff. This is more about like the experience of flying a a fighter in Star Wars. And I think that's what I love about it. That said, well, maybe you can expand upon this a little more and how you feel, but like it's pretty tough, I would imagine, for you to manage all these systems and learn how to fly all over again as somebody who is not as big into flight sims as I am, I would imagine. Correct. Well, be- believe it or not, I've I've actually gotten pretty good with managing the power systems because the way they do it is is very very efficient. You know, you're using mm-hmm. the physical up down left right buttons to do that, and and even within that, like you said, the shield, the way you way you um, manage the shields, whether you're doing it balanced or hitting it for- front and back. They make it very intuitive on how to do it, so that's that's pretty pretty easy, you know. I I think my my difficulty is dealing with the yaw and and the roll and things like that. That's mm-hmm. the thing that I think I'm having the most difficult time getting back into. The power management, like I said, it seems to be pretty easy, you know. If if you wanna if you wanna add power to your engines, you hit left. If you wanna balance it, you know, you go down. If you wanna give more power to your shields you press up if you if you want to do i think that's the the framing right it's left yeah up right left right for, up and down to shields. rebalance mm-hmm. right exactly so that aspect is actually pretty seamless and pretty simple you know and so i appreciate that because you know it's very easy to get into and remember you know um, I, like I said, my difficulty is remembering how to use, you know, both the left and the right sticks in tandem to be able to make those seamless turns and, and mm-hmm. keep the, the target in sight. So that's the thing where me personally, I'm having a, a little bit of difficulty trying to get back into that part. Yeah, I can understand that how, that how that can be very, very difficult in a game like this when you haven't played a flight simulator in a long time. And that's the chief complaint that I hear yeah. from a lot of people. That And it gets very really, hectic really also at, at some at some points. You know, there, yeah. there's a lot of enemies on screen that you're you're trying to take care of. So, you know, with the with, you know, dealing with the left and right sticks to kind of keep them in tandem, you kind of get lost and it becomes very frantic, which I guess is a good thing because that's how I, I would imagine you would feel in a dogfight that's that 
dense where you have mm-hmm. all these starships in that very small space? I would definitely say just as a quick tip, um, something that I realize is very, very important is you need to learn how to direct your squad mates to attack targets. They can take yes. stuff out real quick. So yes, like for anybody that's listening, that's a good little tip for you. Uh, and use the, your squad mates. And when we play multiplayer, tip, which we haven't sorry. done, we're going to have to do that as well. Go yeah. ahead. No, the the other tip I would give anybody else that's playing this game is that before you jump into multiplayer, kind of like what we're doing now, yeah. do the story mode first because that will kind of help you, you know, um, learn all the systems and how to fly again and things of that nature before you jump in to these multiplayer battles where you probably have guys like Jose who are very well, you know, they've been playing this this type of game for, for the longest time. You don't want to jump into multiplayer as a noob because you're going to be very, very um, put off by it very, very quickly, you know? Right. So You want to do either single player or maybe as Eli did earlier, you can get a couple of friends together and do the fleet battle mode against AI opponents. Which is a cool mode. I like that mode. Yeah. You know what? Question. Though? Yeah, go ahead. Um, as someone who is big on story modes, what is mm-hmm. the setting of this story mode? Uh, the setting of the story mode. So at yeah. first I had some good impressions on the story mode. I thought it was going to be interesting and fun, but um, mm-hmm. I'll give you the setup. It's I don't think it's much of a spoiler because it's it's turning into a Star Wars cliche, actually, yeah. which is annoying me. It's basically okay, the same true. story from Battlefront 2. There's, um, well, you, you play as both sides in this game. I should say that also. You play as the Rebel Alliance and you play as the Empire. But of course, if you're playing as the Empire, there's this commander that all of a sudden, after like the Death Star has blown up Alderaan and like, killed all these people, he gets a, a crisis of conscience and he gets upset because the Empire is going to like hunt down and kill some refugees that are running from Alderaan. And that's where it crosses the line for him. So he defects from the Empire so and joins the Rebel is, Alliance. So this is after the events of New Hope, but in between. Well, yeah, oh, not, not necessarily, because there's a uh, time jump. No, it, yeah, it's so, definitely after New Hope, but I don't know when. When would it be before? Would it, would it be before Empire Strikes Back? I think I think it's no, between Empire Strikes Back and Return of the Jedi. Hope. No, 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 because we we get to the point where, and maybe it's because I I don't know how far along you are in the story missions. Mm-hmm. We get to the point after Return of the Jedi when the Empire has fallen. Oh, after right, okay. yeah, that's what I was gonna say. It, it has yeah. to be somewhat after because there's a time jump of about four or five years uh, mm-hmm. after he defects from the Empire to the Rebel Alliance, and again, that's after the Battle of Yavin in the game storyline. So it's, okay. I mean. It's okay, but the game is not it's it's not hugely focused on the story. Um, yeah. so, so you have you have you yeah. have elements where the the second Death Star has already exploded and the Empire is falling, and you have the the rise of the New Republic, you know, and and the time jump is kind of startling, and I, I don't know if it's because I'm kind of skipping some of the conversations with with these characters because I I just find it clunky. But it, it just seems jarring that you jump from Alderaan and then all of a sudden you're at the end of Return of the Jedi, you know, yeah. and you're moving forward to that. So it's a little weird, you know. 
it doesn't uh. give you a good sense of of how the story moves forward. So if you're right. really really digging for a story in this one, AJ, I'm afraid that you're probably going to be disappointed. Yeah, I, yeah I, it sounds like it. You do see well, some familiar characters. I mean, Ray Sloan makes an appearance. Um, they. Well, I don't they want to do spoil one of them. Like one yeah. of them's one of them's a pretty cool character cameo. I will say that from I, the only thing I will say is it's from the original Star Wars trilogy. There's a character right. that makes a, and, a cameo appearance I, here. You do have a uh, General Sandula there, mm-hmm. you know. Oh. Um, so there's they they touch upon characters from both the comics, from both the novels, from the animated series. So you know they they do a pretty decent job of tying the Star Wars canon together but like Jose said it, it's kind of get it's kind of getting boring that we're still revisiting the same uh, yeah, stories was... you know Battlefront did the same thing you know it, it's just you know there is a bigger larger universe that you can grab from let's start telling those stories we've we've been to this yeah you know this era already let's move on you know like it's okay like, to was, tell a story where the bad guys are the bad guys by now yeah in I, Star was, Wars. I was i was just gonna say <laughs> they should have like a game where and this would have been the perfect game to do it if you were gonna choose the empire do <laughs> do imperial stuff <laughs> yeah like yeah, exactly. battles that they win Characters that just yes. aren't remorseful. Like I, I don't see why that's a problem. I Instead of I another... would be very interested in seeing how like the general like imperial setup looks like after a win. Like, uh, do you get promoted? Oh, you did this one little thing wrong. Maybe we'll throw you in a trash compactor or something. Yeah, I don't let's, know. Let's 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 see some of, the sto- some of the stories from the outer rim. Let's let's see those those type of stories where the empire may not have been as impactful, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And, and maybe mm-hmm. you, you see them trying to conquer the Outer Rim and, and things of that nature, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, I'm, or even I'm tired. better. What's like, the, I'm pretty sure after New Hope, they had the Rebels on the run, right? Yeah? Yes, That's right? of course. Yeah. So that means there were very definite victories between that time. Explore that. What made the rebels, uh, aside from, you know, Alderaan blowing up and all that, what drove them to Hoth? That would be a very interesting story to unwind and seeing all those imperial victories there. Because, like you guys said, we're always looking at the rebellion victories. The rebel, well, not always, but mm-hmm. for the most part, it's the rebellion side. But they may Mostly. have touched upon some of that stuff in Battlefront, if I remember. And I'm, well, here, trying, I'm struggling to which remember. Which Battlefront? I, well, I think two, this, probably, I think. Yeah. I but was going to say. That, again, that was more so like. <laughs> yeah, they didn't, it wasn't a big part of the story. But it, it, and to your point, they, if I remember that story correctly, and I haven't played it in a while. I think they briefly touched upon it, but they didn't get really deep into it. You know what I mean? Yeah, and they should get deep into it. And the perfect era, if you're going to do it to do that, would be during that middle, how they got to Hoth. Tell that story. I could go for a First Order story, too. I can go for a first how the First Order won its first victories, how the First Order started forming in a game. Because you can get a, yeah. a really good bad guy out of that one. Like, where's our Thanos? You know what I mean? What is it with with the Empire? Or excuse me, yeah, what is it with like the Empire 
Thrawn. always having these characters that have these crises of conscience. Like in right. Battlefront 2, I was going to say very quickly, like to your, to your point, sort of the storyline in Battlefront 2, you have like, what's her name? Aiden Versio, who gets name dropped in this game also, by the way. Yep. She, she defects on like a, a, almost on a whim. Like I understand that like there was this moment there where her, her conscience couldn't handle what the empire was doing, but why that moment? Why was she in the empire for years and years and years and years and years? And like, this is where you draw the line after they've blown up planets and done all this other stuff. And then her father at the end of that story, changing his mind merely because of like the love of his daughter or something like that, whatever it was at the end of battlefront. If you go, as you guys recall, it was just like, Oh, like, you know, Basically, I was trying to kill you, daughter, but I love you all the same, and I'm glad that you defeated me. Like, what's that? Yeah, but again, yeah, like, to your point, it's it. We're again the storyline of an imperial with a crisis of conscience turning to the the rebellion. We've seen the story already. You know? you know, you know what would have been a great way to remedy that? That's Finn too. You yeah. should. Mm-hmm. What, That's true. Mm-hmm. A way you could have remedied that. Keep that story, but instead of it being. Iden Verzio, the one who defects. Mm-hmm. Iden Verzio is the one hunting down the defector. Yes, that would have been and better. If you want to tell the story of why the Empire is bad, why they're defecting, do it through the defector. But keep Iden Verzio as that person that's like, no, you're wrong. Yeah, this you, is the empire. What are you doing? Either that, or or show it from the perspective of a, you know a, a newbie to the empire and his rise through the ranks, you know, within that that organization and stuff. That's another story you could tell. That again, it's not the same story that you've seen, and it tells it from the the side of the empire and their ideology. You know. They, and they kind of have a, a you know person that's hunting down the defector storyline in this one, but it, it's so far, in my opinion, fallen a little flat. But we'll we'll see if the story gets a little bit better because again, these are just our impressions of that, and we haven't really gotten into multiplayer yet, so we're not going to talk too much about that today. We'll definitely have impressions about that, however brief, in the next couple of weeks, I would imagine. But I just want to talk real quickly before we switch gears about the thing that is the ultimate failing to me, because I've talked about what's good about this game and I've talked about how the story kind of falls flat. I want to know what you guys think about this, because to me, this is hugely dropping the ball. And in fact, I think in a lot of games, they're dropping the ball by not doing this. We'll talk about another example that we're excited about in a moment, or at least I'll name drop that. But why is there not more co-op in this game? The single player mode is absolutely perfect for co-op. You have wingmen with you in every mission. Why is it not co-op? All you have to do is add more fighters and make the game a little bit harder. That to me, and I want to know, like I said, what you guys think to me, that is a failure. You should be able to play the campaign with your friends. What do you guys think about that so far? Uh, to your point, like especially nowadays, I don't see why people are going away from that. Like, as far yeah. as I know, no one's complained about it. But like, mm-hmm. why? Like, I, I mean, I get it. You want online connectivity, it's... other people. But you know what? Sometimes a nice, simple co-op where you're not getting roasted by some five-year-old online, you know? <laughs> no it, kidding. It's, it's, it's all about the rise of esports, I think. I think, yeah. I think the focus 
is multiplayer because that's where the money is. You know, uh, the this esports thing is is really blowing up. You know, mm-hmm. and I think um, co op is is being left aside because now these games want to be the next game that's featured in the esports championship. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, so the new all Dragon the Ball fighters, or something. right? Exactly. So mm-hmm. all that R and D is being poured into multiplayer, and that's why you've also seen a, a, a you know a de-emphasis not only on co-op but on story modes for a lot of these games because again mm-hmm. multiplayer is where the money's at so i think that's that's kind of the reason why and you're right it is a failure because this game is built for co-op you know it's like you said perfect wingmen you all you don't even have to change anything just instead of instead of you know one person you you have four other wingmen there you have you can mm-hmm. conceivably have four other co-op players there yes. you don't even have to change a thing you know imagine how sick that would be and this has cross play you, I mean, you know guys know that right so like yeah, if your friend absolutely. has xbox or pc you could just get a squad together with all your friends no matter what they're playing on and i don't do this single player mission yeah i, I don't it's, get it but like i said it's it's because the money's in multiplayer that's my opinion you know i think that's why think the you're focus right. is on multiplayer I think you're right. I think you're right because, and and this is a totally different game, but like we're all hugely excited. And we even talked about this, I think last week, if I'm not mistaken, and Gabe made this point that like, yeah, single player experiences are something that we want to see a lot more of. And co-op experiences are something that we want to see a lot more of when it comes to these games. I mean, the game that we're looking forward to already released is we're looking forward to co-op in Ghost of Tsushima. Absolutely. We can't wait. Like me, which I just Walt finished. Gabe, yeah, I don't, I'm almost done. I'm, I think I'm two missions away because oh, I think the next mission so awesome. is, is to so gather awesome, up dude. for the con. But I cannot, no spoilers I cannot there wait. I can't wait till you get to that because you know what? It, and and I was talking to Gabe about this on on the side because we didn't want to spoil it for you, and I'm not going to spoil it for you now. Mm-hmm. But the very end features something so emotional that i i don't think i've ever experienced anything like that in a game where it's like you know you're doing a thing and you know that you don't want to do it but the story demands you to do it and it's like oh I, you know it's you there's that emotional tug there that is just so awesome I, you know what i've said it before ghost of tsushima was the game that i bought the PS4 specifically for. And mm-hmm. you know what? It, it I, I don't regret it all. But we're not talking about Ghost of Tsushima. We're talking about Star Wars. But you're right. Ghost of Tsushima, the, the multiplayer is something that we're... Extre- the co-op is something that we're extremely looking forward to. And Star Wars, EA dropped the ball, not including that as a feature 100%. for this game. 100%. You got to give Microsoft a little bit of credit in, in some ways because they have games like Halo and Gears of War that still have great co-op single player or co-op story experiences if they ever hmm. dare what take take it out the co-op out of those games i swear didn't they kind of do that with one of the one of the games that it it made it a little bit more difficult well halo wars is different i'm not even gonna include that but what wasn't like halo 5 or something like that where it's like you can only do two player or something split screen or something like that i think you could only Was do co-op two, two player before though right wasn't that no also? you 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 could do four player 
Well, actually, I thought there no. Was, I you thought could there was never something. do. You could do four player in like a custom match, but in terms yeah. of story mode, okay. it's normally two only players. two. Two. So players. maybe it's the multiplayer that I'm thinking. There was something that you despise it for, and and that's well, a game that you never. I despise Halo Five for a lot of things. <laughs> okay. I was gonna well, say. you know what? Let's not get into that. We're, You're gonna we're, open we're, a can of worms. Yeah, we're <laughs> we're deep into this podcast already. We still have another subject, so I don't wanna. I don't wanna muddy the waters with halo and your hatred of that particular <laughs> so yeah let's just let's just move on let's and then there was the, the boys it was a good job of co-op and yes let's talk about that episode of the boys so first off i would like to ask um aj if you would if you would tell me a little bit about how you felt from that opening scene because i think a lot of people were really really floored and like just kind of taken aback by that opening scene to this episode. Um, And just to briefly describe it, we have a young man who's watching Stormfront uh, on social media and is being, in a sense, radicalized by some of Stormfront's opinions. Um, AJ, could you give us a little bit of a brief impression of what you thought of that particular scene when you first watched the episode? Just really quickly before I do, I... Mm -hmm. I, I can't believe that you you <laughs> I I can't believe that this is the episode before the season finale. <laughs> the penultimate episode. Like I can uh, believe it. How how <laughs> th- it has been a, such a great build up to like the season mm-hmm. and to find out that the next episode is the last of the season, that crushes me, man. A little yeah, but bit. You got you you're getting supernatural <laughs> back. So uh, the that, blow, the blow a, is lessened a little bit. <laughs> if I'm gonna Please. be totally honest, and this is something for another podcast, but that's that's another story in and of itself. Okay. Um, okay. The, the opening scene. Sorry, it was that it was really crazy, and it was crazy because of how relevant, how especially relevant it is to the climate of the United States right this very minute talking about the, you know, the radicalization of the radicalizing people. You're talking about xenophobia. You're talking about paranoia. And it just, Mm -hmm. it was surreal how almost effortlessly they captured it. it. It was beyond insane. And then you had that, the guy lit it. the the thing that really i guess drove it home was when the the white guy he cuz it was a white guy he was mm-hmm. you know he, every day he goes to a store it's a person who's not white mm-hmm. and like and when he does you know he he finally pulls the gun on him and he's like are you a super not are you an anti terrorist or not or, i mean are you a terrorist or not and when he finally kills him and it's like <laughs> Wow, it's it was just it was that it was that strange moment on his face, yeah, you know, where it where it almost seemed like he realizes he did something, but then at the same time there was that rush of euphoria. Mm-hmm. It was a very very chilling moment, and you know, um, it, it like AJ said, it, it's so on point. Unfortunately, with you know what's going on not, not only in America because you know we're oh. we're we're looking at it you know uh, 
with a, a very but if you look at it overall you know there is um there is that radicalization of of certain of certain people because of the flow of misinformation that is so prevalent in, in our society today um and the lack of fact checking and you know the 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 willingness to subscribe to conspiracy theories and you know the show makes a point of showing this pretty normal guy you know i mean he's sitting there he's having lunch he's in his mom's house and watching the network and i'm not going to i'm not going to specify a certain news network that you know is famous for that but again you know they're they're leaning in toward you know a lot of the current events and and doing it in a way that is is scary if if you look at how they're doing it you know um it was a very very interesting way of starting the episode and it kind of it kind of you know gives you that really it it wakes you up if you weren't if you weren't ready for the episode once that scene happened, you're ready yeah. for it. You know, like what? No what do you think about that, Jose? Well, I I gotta agree for the most part on what you guys were saying. There's no disagreements there. It's I just found it really really interesting that the way that they framed it was so. There's this this let's call her an ideologue. Um, I think that there's some parallels to some real life politicians, but I'm gonna I'm gonna avoid name dropping who those politicians are. All I'll say is that. Ayakasha's Stormfront is is intentionally misleading people, but also intentionally misleading the most isolated people in society. This young man who is shy around girls, mm-hmm. uh, you know, who spends a lot of time just hanging out on the internet. He doesn't seem to have the the most self esteem, uh, and he's yeah, and he's, he he seems to be looking for some validation in the things that Stormfront says, which is I think as you guys mentioned. I agree. It's really scary because it parallels a lot of what's going on in real life. Um, you know, you have a lot of people who are who are falling for things like fake news. You even talk about like this kind of reminded me, and I don't want to. I don't want to talk about what this particular conspiracy was about. Those those viewers that know about it can can uh, can understand what I'm saying here, but. To me, this is kind of like the real life, or it's actually like two things in real life. I should say. One being the Pizzagate conspiracy and the young man who went and shot up a pizzeria because he thought there were some shady things going on there. It kind of reminds me of that real life event. It also, by the time we get to the end of the episode, and I won't spoil this so we can all uh, address what goes on to get to this point of the episode. Um, but by by the end of the episode, essentially, um, I don't know how I can put this. Uh, why, don't, why don't we put up the spoiler curtain right now and say we'll put know, up the spoiler curtain right now. Yeah, I don't we'll, want we'll I'm up. not going to spoil it, but yeah, like by the end of the episode, you can. You know, I don't know. I, I think I kind of lost my train of thought on that one. <laughs> my right. my fault. But um, yeah, I, I think that it's really really crazy and really really kind of interesting that you see the progression of fake news just turning these people uh, in the wrong direction. And then again, the parallels to real life politicians and to, to things like that. Um, so yeah, like that, that opening scene, like you said, Walter kind of wakes you up and gets you started for the episode. 
what other thoughts or impressions did you have about what was going on in the episode early on? I think one of the one of the other more interesting scenes um, early on in the episode, like I said, was beyond that, just the conversations between um, Homelander and his son. You have what I think actually is one of the more interesting things. And you know what? Let's let's talk about this part, actually. This is where I'll, I'll take the conversation for a moment, if I may. <laughs> so we have this episode. We have what I think are a lot of parallels. You look at Homelander, and I think the show, in my opinion, is very much trying to draw a lot of parallels between Homelander and Butcher, okay? Um and let me know what you guys think about this, but they have a lot of a lot of instances in this episode also that kind of to me tie into like the isolation of the young man at the beginning of the episode. You have the relationship between Butcher and his father, and Homelander and his father in quotes being Vogelbaum. Um, I think that the episode takes some time to show how when we are isolated emotionally in certain ways that makes us vulnerable to these kinds of mindsets. Um, I don't know. What do you guys think of the comparisons between Butcher and Homelander that I think are pretty prevalent in this episode? I, I think it's purposeful. Um, mm-hmm. and, and, you know, if you listen to Kripke talk on, on some of these panels where he has the, the, the cast, you know, they're not shying away from current events, um, you know, just just to take it back a bit. Um, they're, they're pushing the story along because of what's going on. Um, but going back to Butcher and, and Homelander, um, you know, it, it, it's one of these things where it's like, be careful, be careful of, of what you do or what you wish because, you, you know, you, you end up being the person that you're, you're hunting down or you despise or, you know, you, you don't like. And I think that's where, where you have Billy Butcher. You know, he, he's, he's ruthless. And, you know, he's ruthless in obtaining his one goal and he he really you know he he's softening a little bit from the earlier episodes where he was willing to do whatever it took and and he would sacrifice whoever it it, it was standing in his way just to get homelander and homelander you know in the earlier episodes and and in season one his whole purpose was making sure that soups are relevant and they're you know they're in the military and you know they they serve a purpose and things of that nature and you know their storylines are running parallel to each other you know in in different ways and you know but billy butcher was manipulated early on by by mallory you know mm-hmm. um and a lot of a lot of his character was built on the relationship um with his father in a great cameo by John Noble, you know what I'm saying? Yes, that was a really great really good cameo. cameo. You know, I I loved, and you know what? I I was just impressed with you know the accent that he he was throwing out there, which was <laughs> flawless. You know what I'm saying? And it's it's the Lord of the Rings. Um, it's a reunion, re- yeah, reunion, right? Was that what is um, it? Faramir was he Faramir? I think I can't remember yep. all the names, but it was Faramir and his his and father, Denethor, the king, right? Wasn't Denethor. it Denethor? Yes, yep. that is correct. Yeah, so mm-hmm. it was great to see them interact, and they had such a great interaction in that one scene. You know, that amazing. Was, that was probably one of the most powerful scenes. You Between. know, in, in a very a whole bunch of powerful scenes within that episode itself. Mm-hmm. Wait, 
Yes. Between yeah. Butcher and uh, what's his name? Uh, the father. Butcher's yeah. father? Mm-hmm. But Butcher wasn't Faramir. He was he was, Boromir? I can't remember. No, he wasn't who Boromir was. either. He was, um, oh, you, you know, he I'm was totally of, messing myself up. He was a part yeah. of the Rohirrim, the horseman. I, I can't remember his yeah. name. Right? Ah, You're yeah. right. Remember, yeah. he was the Rohirrim. He was the leader mm-hmm. of that group, the horseman. Okay. I don't remember his name exactly um, because he didn't play that big of a role in the movie, you know, but he was he was there and, you know. But Eomer, um, his name was Eomer. There you go. Thank you. That's what it Thank was in the movie. You know, it took me a little while to get there, but yeah, go ahead, go ahead, sir. Yeah, so um, you know, like I said, the parallels are there, you know, um, and again, abusive relationships by the father that kind mm-hmm. of molded these gentlemen into what they are. Yes, um, both it, of them. It can't it can't be overstated enough that they're running the same path, just with you know different um, goals, I guess, right? But they're basically the same person, you know. Yeah. Yeah, you're you're 100% correct on that one. It's just what I find really interesting is they talk a lot in the last couple of episodes about how Huey is basically the only thing keeping Butcher from becoming evil like Homelander. He's his canary in the coal mine. Mm -hmm. Uh, That's what Mother's Milk called him a couple of episodes ago. I find that to be a very, very interesting dynamic because if you look at Homelander, in a way, his canary is his son. So they both have this this one thing that's kind of holding them back from being purely evil because Homelander wants a relationship with his son. You can really see that because of the relationship he had with Vogelbaum, who was the doctor that raised him. Not really. He didn't really have parents. Mm-hmm. Um, so I thought it was really interesting how they used those parallels. And like you said, John Noble in this episode. Oh, my goodness. Fantastic. And that part where I love him. He's so he's so good in this episode and in so many other things. I know you've seen him in Fringe and other shows where he's just fantastic. But I thought it was really, really great how they expanded on the story of Butcher's little brother in this episode as well and how yes. they have that parallel between Huey and Butcher's <laughs> little brother uh, who killed himself a long, long time ago uh, after Butcher left to join the, the SAS, the Special Air Service, the military. Uh, and their father was abusing them just to try to toughen them up. Very, very weird parallels there, I think, like I said, because it's, it's in a way, it's kind of the opposite of what Vogelbaum was trying to do. He was trying to toughen up Homelander, but he did want to try to provide him some sort of normalcy. He was trying to be a father figure. He was just really crappy at it, just like Billy Butcher's father was. But yeah, those, those parallels between the two of them that I think are building more and more and more, I think that's going to lead to something very, very interesting by we get by the time we get to the end of the season. But maybe let's talk about some other characters uh, in this episode. I thought another character that had an interesting arc in this episode, maybe you guys will agree with me, is uh, Lamplighter, played that by son of a- Ashmore. <laughs> Go ahead, AJ. Why don't you tell us a little bit about what you were thinking about his storyline in this episode? All I could think about his arc in this episode was that selfish bastard. <laughs> he lit it. Okay, so this is going to be spoiler territory right now. I'm just going to get right spoiler. into it. Yeah. This dude, because a starlight got captured and she was being held in Vought Tower, right? Mm-hmm. This dude offers to break Huey in and quote unquote he really didn't offer he was kind of 
pushed by Huey, wasn't he? Yeah, but yeah, quote he, unquote, he was helping her yes, he was. get out. He was. He was. Mm-hmm. But <laughs> he insulted not, Huey to get there. But <laughs> yeah, not, not, not even not even, that. That's not that's not even it. So you, <laughs> they get in the building. <laughs> it looks like they're going where they need to go to, but then they go to the the. <laughs> They go to the the, the the seventh conference room where all the yeah. statues is. Yeah. Uh-huh. And this dude is like, he was like, yo, what the hell's going on? And he's like, oh, they really took my statue down. I was really hoping to do it in front of my statue. And you're like, yeah. wait, what is he trying gonna do in front of his statue? You're and he starts going on about, oh, I wanted to make someone proud, or you know, I wanted to do something right. Nothing's ever gone right, yada yada yada. And then he's like Oh wait, no, 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 no! Don't you dare! And then this, uh, and then this dude lights himself on fire and kills himself. Oh my! And God. all I could think of as I was watching that was that that son of a. <laughs> you know what I, I was want to say the word, but I can't. You know what I was thinking of. Yeah. <laughs> how, how how is it that lamplighter whose power is the ability to create fire isn't flame retarding? Well, <laughs> here's the thing. I um, mean, it well, is kind of weird if you think about it along not, those lines. Not really, because but not really also at the same time. Because you always whenever you see him use his fire powers, he's always doing it, you know, he he has his lighter and then you know he it's not like on, he's not like flame on human torch. He has like the yeah. activator like and then the. Yeah. But it, it just seems a little weird that you can get <laughs> killed by your own power. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Not even yeah. like even a little bit of defense. Like even if he gets a little hurt, like he's not like a little more immune to fire. Right. Yeah. It's, I would think so. But <laughs> maybe, he, maybe he didn't take enough doses of compound V, you know, maybe not. Maybe not. I I thought that scene was really well, that whole that whole interaction between him and Huey early in the episode was really really good and really really funny and also really really uh, explicit. Yes, um, it was. We had to skip but, through that. <laughs> yeah, some of the language is definitely not safe for work. Uh, in that, well, I mean, it's the boys, so most of it is not safe for work. But in that part of the episode, he really insulted Huey to try to get him to to do something. Oh, because- I, I wasn't talking about that part. I was talking about the other part. Oh, with the, ta- with the tapes. That's the oh yes, to skip, skip over that. That also <laughs> with the with, deep. Uh, with, uh, with <laughs> I mean, I thought that was kind of funny too because that showed you how pathetic Lamplighter had become. And what Walt is talking about is uh, with like Huey's basically just supposed to watch Lamplighter in this episode because Lamplighter has agreed to testify before Congress uh, on all of what's wrongdoing. Okay, oh my God, and, and and B, all of that. And we're going to get to that. Oh, my goodness. We're going to get to that. So Huey is just asked basically to watch after him. And they're watching uh, the seven themed pornography, which is utterly ridiculous. And actually yes, it's ridiculous. From what I understand, it includes some Easter eggs from the comics as well. Um, but some of the titles of those, which, again, I, I won't say on the <laughs> air because they're not safe for work and not safe for children. We're a PG-13 show at worst. Um, I just thought that, yeah, those were really, really funny scenes. And I have to agree that I, I kind of saw it coming when it comes to Lamplighter because you, he would have really easily tied up a lot of the stuff going on in the season had he survived. 
Um, but I still really had a good time with Sean Ashmore also playing a character opposite to what he played in the X-Men films where he was uh, Iceman, mm-hmm. <laughs> which I think is kind of remarkable. Did you guys cool. see the meme I sent you over Instagram? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I saw that one. Why don't you tell uh, tell everyone what the meme says, I guess, real quick. Um, uh, so it's basically along the lines of you either die as Iceman or you live long enough to see yourself become Pyro. <laughs> Which is a, a good reference to Batman Begins, right? <laughs> yeah. She so had like triple, quadruple layer there's, there's hero fun there. there. You know? Yeah, 100%. I, I, I thought the lamplighter thing was was cool. And, and then, you know, that, that scene where he burned himself... Um, I, I'm going to take a little different tact and I, I thought that that was one of the, I'm not going to say weaker moments, but it, it, it just, it, it seemed a little too convenient to have him eliminated in that fashion. And, and I, I guess what they were trying to lean in is that all of these heroes, whether good or bad or indifferent, they're all huge egomaniacs at, at, at some at some level, you know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, to kill yourself because your statue isn't still in the in Vought Tower just seemed to be a little bit too convenient well, to push the story was, along. I think it was more know? than that, though, because yeah. and, and again, see like it, I said, I, I'm I, I'm 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 not saying that it's a bad scene. I just, I just felt it felt a little forced to have it that way. You know what I mean? But again, guys, convince me that I'm wrong, please. So here's the thing: you see it when you first meet him, at least before he's like, "Ha ha, I'm the villain. You must hate me." Yeah, he's but then he's trying to reconcile with himself the things that he's done, right? Yeah, but yeah. So even after you get the whole. Ha ha, I'm bad, you have to hate me. Then you see why he's like, ha ha, I'm bad, you have to hate me. Because he wants you to hate him so much that you have to kill him. It's what he tried to get Frenchie to do. It's what he tried to get, uh, what's his name, Huey to do. He's been, Mallory to do. He's been Mm -hmm. trying to get everyone to do it because he just has not had the stones to do it himself. Right, Mm mm-hmm. When he got to Vought Tower, that was kind of his tipping point. Like, he's coming full circle, especially when you add into the fact that, yes, they're egomaniacs. Their image is who they are. And Mm -hmm. to see that he has now been so completely forgotten and out of the picture as the Seven, that was kind of what he needed to go like, all right, well, you know what? What am I even doing? There's no way I'm going right. to be the hero I once was. There's no way I can probably help these guys, even though he would have been able to help them. But he was yeah. too selfish to see that. But I think I think the, the thing about it is that he's so far removed from being in the seven that I, I think you would kind of expect that. You know what I'm saying? It's It's well, not like he got kicked out just the other day and they already took it down. He's been gone from the seven for quite a while. But for him, you know. that's. But for him, it's different because, you even, like, with the seven. Yeah, here's the thing: the seven. Sure, 
they're proud. They're they're just the kind. You look at them at face value, not looking deeper and deeper and deeper into the whole Vought enterprise. There mm-hmm. is a sense of immortality with being part of the seven. Yes. Despite whatever Vought like you know does, so to see that. But again, we know Vought. I mean, he kind of knows Vought, but, you know, he just never brought himself to, like, that point where it's like, wow, so they just really washed their hands with me. Because taking down someone's statue, that that kind of, like, there's, even in today's climate, there is a lot of stigma. I mean, not a lot of stigma. There is a lot of feelings and... um there's a lot of feelings and opinions regarding statues, you know? It's like, this is here, it's going to be here long after we're gone. This means something. It, it plays into that whole thing. And so for his statue to have been gone, it's like mm. that also, like, the statue is supposed to be there forever. And as one of the founding members of the Seven, he would have expected himself to be there regardless of what he did. But that's not who Vought is. And so when he finally saw the statue gone, that was just his like, okay, well, so there's just, what am I even doing here? Okay. I, I have three points to make, and I'm actually really glad that you brought up the statue, AJ, because I think that that's meant to be a very, very specific parallel to things that are going on in real life. You look at the recent drive where people are pulling down statues all over America, people who historically yeah. they don't feel have been the most moral people. I think this is a bit of a of a nod to that because um, Lamplighter is not a good person. We know that, but the public doesn't know that. And I think there's something to the to the idea that his statue was pulled down. And I think we also have to remember that he was removed from the seven for doing what they asked. Yeah. He, he did what they asked him to do by killing Mallory's grandchildren and by well, helping the seven when, when they're doing all this research on these new soups, he kills those that are, I guess, deemed unworthy. He's been doing all of quick, this for Vaught and they still threw him under the bus. Okay. Well, quick, quick. The, the, the Mallory grandkids yeah. thing. Quick the, clarifier. Yeah. yeah. I mean, uh, Andre. It was supposed to be Mallory that he killed. He yes. actually had no idea about the grandchildren. And I that's think true. That's, that's a big, big thing about you know him being remorseful. He's not as bad as we think he is, because that yeah. that particular event has has really you know informed the character of what he is going forward after that. Because you know he he feels really bad about that and it was it was a point where he you know he said he thought he was killing Mallory and then he, after that he realized that it was the kids but by that time it was too late and i think that really has has traumatized him you know up until this point so i i don't think he's as bad as as we think he is i, agree. I think he he's he's done some bad things but i think it was done very um you know a lot of the things he did he did blindfolded and and, you know he didn't question it and i think the mallory um you know incident where the grandkids burned i think that was his tipping point and that's where he you know he kind of lost it at that point 
Yeah, I think it also bears a quick mention also because it's a theme in the episode as well. We have a conversation between him and Huey about his own father, Lamplighter's own father. And I think that, you know, you could just tell the story and that kind of gives you enough context uh, for what we're trying to say or what the episode is trying to say here. When he was four, Lamplighter's powers first basically like manifested themselves. Okay, That was the first time when he was very little. (laughs) Yeah, he burns a freaking house down uh, and his father was proud of him. Like that's creepy. You know what I mean? Like it's just how like with Butcher's father, you know, toughening them up and beating them up and doing all this stuff and being proud of them for being, uh, for lack of a better term, toxically masculine, right? Like Starlight's mom. Starlight's mom is also in that as well. And we were going to yeah, talk about that in a moment. But yeah, like there's that that connection in this episode where they're talking about the sins of the father a lot. Okay. And I thought that that was something that beyond all the other reasoning, it, I think that, you know, when he killed himself, it wasn't just because his statue was gone. I think, you know, he, he was going to do it anyway. You know what I mean? Like he was going to do it if the statue was there. That's what he kind of implied. But yeah, it was, maybe. he, he yeah. wanted to get back into the, into into Vought's offices just so he could kill himself there. And that, that speaks to what AJ is talking about in regards to their huge egos. It has to be a moment. It has to be on the news. It has to be on TMZ. Lamplighter killed himself inside Vault offices in front of his statue. Yeah, and it's never going to happen. It's, yeah, and I think that's <laughs> part of what's interesting too because yeah. the disappointment is part of the character also. You don't get that because you're not a, you're not a horrible, horrible person, but you're still a bad guy. You still kill people. That don't and, and not only that, Vought is most definitely going to cover that up. He, oh that, yeah, that that incident is never going to see the light of day. So you know, probably be like his, Starlight killed him or something. Yeah, his his action. They probably won't even mention it because you know what? His action. If if that was the thing, where it's like his ego was driving himself to do something so public that he would get noticed. Guess what? It's not going to happen, dude. Yeah, it's 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 essentially, I think more of the reflection of reality that this show is really trying to push into a little bit more than I think the comic even did. Cause there's some things in the comic that they've already changed in, in a the TV show, a, a lot, lot of things, things that they've already changed. Let's talk a little bit about some of the other characters. Um, and then in just a little bit, we're going to get into, like I said, some basic predictions. It's really hard <laughs> to me for me to predict what's going to happen next week. Um, but let's talk a little bit about the storyline regarding starlight and Black Noir, and a little bit of Queen Maven this episode. So Starlight gets captured by Vought, uh, like Walt you mentioned. She has a, uh, she, she meets up with her mother in a coffee shop to have a conversation about her, and her mother, not understanding that Vought is actually evil, basically um, has asked for Starlight to get some vacation time. Uh, not knowing that Starlight was essentially supposed to be on the lam, on the run, and Vought was looking for her because they have this idea. They already know that she's the, one, she's the mole. Uh, so she gets captured, and again, that's how we get to Huey and to Lamplighter attempting to rescue her from the Vought offices. Um, so that I think that's another great storyline as well. I just... Um, I, I kind of have to push to this moment because it's one of my favorite moments of the episode. I think I know where you're uh, it going. involves Starlight, right? So obviously, we get to the point in the episode by the end. Um, you know, this is after Lamplighter has broken in and and uh, all of this other stuff. 
Uh, I believe this is after Lamplighter has already killed himself in the episode. So Huey is on his own. Um, and they're trying to get Starlight. They're trying to, to break her out, right? And then Black Noir attacks Starlight in oh, a fun little scene. Right. She breaks um, herself out. Yeah. Oh, that's right. Out. That's, that's yeah. right. Yeah. She breaks herself out because she's able to get access to her power in that moment. Um, correct. Correct. You are correct. Which is, um, which is a strange fail safe because, you know, he, he lights himself on fire and it activates some sort of thing that brings down the thing that keeps her in that cage. Which is totally weird. <laughs> well, no, I, it's actually what, what happened there was, you know, he lit himself on fire. So then you have the whole, well, the building's on fire. Right, exactly. And, you and know. then, you know, you have the fire precautions, you know, spread, you do the water or whatever. And of course, you know, there are the siren lights. And it's on the inside of her. Which, again, is it's, it's a it's weird a, design a, flaw. Exactly. That's, that's probably what it is, like, you know. But that's yeah. also the beauty of Vought. They think of so they they are obviously like ten steps ahead. But it's just beautiful when you so see cool. those little things. Like we know everything about you. We control you. Oh wow, we overlooked that one little thing. Exactly. <laughs> I got some predictions. Kind of like that. <laughs> I got some predictions in regards to that that I think I'm going to jump into. But um. I just got to say, I think that's one of my favorite moments of the season so far. So Starlight is getting her butt kicked by Black Noir after she tries to escape. He's throwing her through columns, totally kicking her ass. Like, you know, as tough as Starlight is, she could take a beating, but he's like bashing her head on the big, you know, conference table. She's basically about to die and Black Noir is about to choke her out and kill her. What I love about this moment you guys remember the moment, uh, I think it was an episode ago or two episodes ago, where Black Noir was talking to that employee of Vought, or, well, talking, he doesn't talk, but he approached yeah. that employee from Vought and she was eating an Almond Joy? Yep. Uh-huh. That Here's was a little payoff. Easter for this, right? Here's the payoff, right? Because <laughs> we were wondering why Black Noir did not like Almond Joy. Um, it turns out that we, we see Queen Maeve who of course has also got her own storyline where she's trying to stop Homelander and get herself out of Vought, out of Vought so she can live her own life. She saves Starlight by shoving an almond joy down Black Noir's throat. So it turns <laughs> out <laughs> that Black Noir's kryptonite kryptonite is tree nuts. He has a <laughs> tree nut allergy. That is amazing. I don't know if that's in the comic or not. I know Black Noir is totally different in the comics. Um, but I thought that that was an amazing little moment. And that's like a nice little payoff for all of the great stuff. And it's quickly making Black Noir into one of my favorite characters in the show so far. What did you is guys... He, is uh, he dead, though? Is he yeah, dead? that's also what I want to know. weird, right? I don't think so. Because it, it he, looks he like... Wasn't, but he wasn't able to get to his, I, I guess, his EpiPen or whatever. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So he just basically passed out, you know. Probably. But you imagine that, that you would imagine there's probably enough people in there that he would, he somebody would come and help him. And it's the old uh, TV adage, right? We didn't see a body. So True. he's probably still fine, I would imagine. Plus, so this is a spoiler for the comic, okay? 
Um, I have to say this, and I think you guys are aware of this, but in the comic, I'm not disclaimer, but go on. Okay. So the show is almost certainly not going there, which is why I don't think it's a big deal to spoil this a little bit in the comic. Black noir is a clone of Homelander. Yes. That is okay. Oh, mm-hmm. wow. He's, he's a fail safe for Homelander. He's, yeah, he's, he's basically, basically like, a, he's, yeah. he's Batman. Yeah, Batman, kind of. Batman as a failsafe for the entire Justice League. Yeah, kind of. But in a way, it's interesting, too, because part of the reason that he's so nuts in the comic is because he never talks. He can. He can talk. But he was forced to play this role, and it kind of drove him crazy in the comic books. They're not going that way, that way in the show, I don't think. Mm-hmm. Um, but, I, yeah, I think it's kind of interesting how they've changed his character so much. And I think that because of those big changes – they're finding a different way to make him relevant instead of him being a Homelander clone like he is in the comic books. I don't know that for sure, but I think that that's going to be a lot different than the way that they did it in in the comics. We'll see. Oh, man, but now we need to see because we don't know if Homelander is allergic to almond joys. <laughs> yeah, they, right? Oh, God, that would be the worst. Imagine in this, in this, next, in this, in this next episode – Someone's like, "Hey, you want an almond joy?" And he's like, "Nah, I'm allergic." It's gonna be like, "Whoa!" As far as um, Queen Maeve's story, I did really actually think one of the better parts of the episode for me, and maybe you guys can can think of there's an episode part of the episode that you enjoyed with Queen Maeve besides the almond joy. I thought she had a great conversation with Ashley. Uh, oh, what executive? God, right? I thought that was interesting. How like when her girlfriend left. My favorite line from her on this on in this episode was when she was just like, Ashley, for once, could you just be a human being instead of being like this this marketing guru for Vaught? She told her like, hey, look, I'm mourning. My girlfriend left me because of all this nonsense you guys are putting me through. And you get at least one moment, which I love about this show. They have moments where they show that these characters are not 100% evil. Even Homeland. Well, to, to her, you know, to come to her defense, um, Ashley is by far being manipulated by Homelander. Yeah, she is terrified of him. So that that mm-hmm. kind of that kind of you know gives you an insight to her actions. Her actions probably are not you know what who she is, but because she's so afraid of what Homelander can do, especially what he did to that Daredevil type superhero that they were auditioning. That she's, you know, she she has no free will at this point. Not at all. Not at all. So I thought that was a really, really interesting part with Queen Maeve and her character. And it was with a good Ashley's scene as well. Yeah. And I like that actress, too. You guys remember she was in um, uh, Jessica Jones, if you yeah. recall. That was her, I did her neighbor. not know. Yeah, that was her, her neighbor, the kind of weird girl that, like, had a weird relationship with her brother. Um. Yeah, she was in Jessica Jones, and she did a good job in that as well. But let's get to the meat and potatoes of this episode, so to that speak, ending. shall we? Oh, let's talk about the ending, guys. Um, okay, so I, I brought this up uh, for me. And uh, AJ, why don't you tell us what happened in the ending? But I'll tell you that my impressions is this is like some sort of new red wedding in the boys. Yeah. So So, hearing, right? Go ahead. Despite Lamplighter being dispatched, they have their hearing. 
And, you know, it. despite Lamplighter being, you know, gone, it looks like, hey, you know what? Maybe even then they might still have a shot, you know? Right. They grab some. Uh, go right. Right, but nothing side. ever goes right in the show. It goes bad. It's like the train is coming. You pull the you pull the brake, but it stops. It trips over. It goes into the ocean. That it goes went, to the next dimension, and it gets disintegrated. That went horribly bad. <laughs> oh my god! It did. Horribly. So it as they were about to begin, heads just start exploding. Who do they bring in first? You gotta, you gotta remember that. Oh, they brought in Vogelbaum. Yeah, yes, remember. they have Vogelbaum as their there, supposed to be their their star witness. Yeah, that wasn't happening. So Billy yeah. Butcher got Vogelbaum. There you go. Mm-hmm. And he was about to give his testimony, <laughs> but then his head blew up, and then someone else's head blew up, and then all the heads started to <laughs> blow up. <laughs> Oh my god. That was god. such that a was... shocking moment. You know? It was very good though. Like I was not expecting that. Um, you know what I thought was really cool about the scene? Like a little moment that was really, really interesting and that I that I think was telling. The reaction from Stormfront and Homelander, who by the yes. way, earlier in this episode, they have uh some interactions with Ryan, Homelander's son. And to set that up a little bit. They basically kidnapped the kid from from his mother and Homelander and Stormfront seem like they want to try to raise um, the the butcher's wife's kid and Homelander's kid. They might want to steal him. But I thought the way that they reacted when heads started popping was really interesting. And I, this is going to get into some theories that I have later on. But they're like they look somewhat surprised, but yeah. more maybe at the brutality of it, not at the fact that it's happening. I don't know. What do you guys think about their reaction in that scene? I actually thought that they were surprised that it was happening. That's, that's yeah, the sense that's that I the got. Yeah, that's the impression that I got, too. Because you think that I, they're completely floored by that moment? Well, I, w- I wouldn't say floored because I think they're so desensitized at this point. Yeah. But I, I don't yeah. think they were expecting that, right? Yeah, right, definitely. I, and I think even, even if, in the, the very, in the most extreme sense, even if they were really miffed by it, you know, they're kind of, it's part of the superhero thing. It's like, oh, well, I'm a superhero. I'm supposed to not look miffed. You know, we're the cream of the crop. Mm-hmm. I, think, I think also there was, there was, there was initially, and, and maybe this is, this is the, the change in reaction. I think there was surprise, but then there was that sense that, you know what? We've just dodged a bullet here. You know what I'm saying? Because... You know, Vogelbaum being there was definitely a shock, especially for Homelander. You saw his face when when Vogelbaum was coming down in a wheelchair, um, mm-hmm. and so maybe when head started head started popping, <laughs> which sounds weird. <laughs> um, I think initially it was like, "What the hell is going on?" and and then you know, as as that kind of washed away, they was like, "Wait a second, this is kind of a good thing because." We're never going to hear what Vogelbaum had to say. But mm-hmm. at the same time, that's also very, very suspicious. That's sus. <laughs> like, that, uh, honestly, Vought's going to have one hell of a time explaining that away unless they go, well, hey, yeah. But, like, I even honestly... then, how does that, that doesn't, why would super terrorists engage in 
what what bearing does that have to the to the to the hearings? I I honestly think that there is another soup involved in this because initially when it happened to um, uh, Jennifer Esposito's character, I can't remember her name. The the yes. the deputy Rainer? director Rainer, right? Exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I thought that was something that maybe was implanted that she didn't know about and stuff. But now when you saw when you saw what happened in the courtroom. That has to be a manifestation of somebody's powers. And I have some thoughts on who it might be, but you know, I'll I'll wait until you guys decide, you know, dissect that the the scene before we get into that stuff, you know. I thought it was interesting, and maybe you guys are right that they were completely surprised, but and I think this is gonna come back in a in a strange and complex way because let's let's I guess put one theory out there. I think it's pretty clear that somebody in Vaught is pulling the strings there to try to make it more yes. necessary for soups to exist, right? Yes. They're making it like, oh, like, look at this. Like, people aren't safe anywhere. We need soups. You know, they're in the middle of this hearing. They killed all these people. The soups were there. But that's that's the kind of flip side of it because people are going to say, like, okay, so Homelander was there. Shockwave was there. Rest in peace, Shockwave. Um, you know, Stormfront was there. That he'd, he he. It's crazy that he bought it, you know. Yeah, they, 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 but they didn't do anything. And also with Shockwave, you're right. It's crazy that he bought it because, like, why didn't he run away? Like, he's the fastest man on earth, pretty much. But but not that. There. Why? Why? If this is <laughs> this is a, a Vought thing, which I do agree. I think somebody, it's somebody in Vought is the, is the one that's doing it. And I know I think Stan it's a very Edgar. specific person. Yes, I think it's Stan Edgar. Really has to. He's got, yes. I, I think I think he's got a, a latent power that he's not showing because in his interaction or, with Homeland, he's never really truly scared of him. You know, there is a, there is a sense every once yeah. in a while, but he goes at him, you know, with with absolutely no fear. You know, but um, I I find it interesting that 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 soup bought it because you know targeting the people within the courtroom is fine. I guess he was disposable, and you can you can make the case that you're saying, "Hey, not only are regular people, you know, vulnerable, but soups are vulnerable also." Now that I think about it, but I, at the time I found it interesting because it's like, why would you kill off your own product? You know, um, I think maybe well, that the, the thing of that he, is possibly, very possibly. I'll give you this 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 thought, and then AJ, you can give your thoughts as well. If you think about it, that that gives some evidence that the Church of the Collective might also be involved, right? Because sure. we have that that guy at the beginning of the episode when he's talking to the Deep uh, and to A Train, he he promises them that they're going to get back into the Seven, and then Shockwave dies by the end of the episode, clearing the way for A Train to return to the Seven. There's That's something true. to that too. It it would seem, right? Well, I, I mean, also think there's something yeah. else that I think. Mr. Edgar's pointed out too. Mm-hmm. It he made it very clear to Homelander that even though Homelander was as big as he was, he is just as disposable as anyone else. And he made it very clear to Homelander that they weren't their product. They are a Vought is a pharmaceutical company mm-hmm. that deals in compound V. And superheroes are just like a, oh, hey, uh, PR, uh, like that. So it's actually interesting that they all died because maybe 
Edgar is, if it is Edgar, I'm actually really liking the idea that this could be Edgar's power. Mm-hmm. It could be showing that, hey, don't mess with Vought, but you soups, you get in line because this could also be you. Yeah. And, esp- and again, it also plays into even the heroes are disposable. Very and, much right. so. And also, <laughs> it, it also goes into the narrative that super terrorists are real and they're dangerous because if you can take out um, a soup that easily, you know, imagine what the general public, we need more soups, you know? But I think that is kind of to their detriment because the soups didn't even do anything. Like, I get it if there was like... That makes the super terrorists even more scary because they didn't have time to react, you know? Uh, and, and that, and it does make them seem a little you know, useless, though. In a yeah, way. that's that, yeah. that's what I was getting at. Like, so it's if you're going to do soup terrorists, yeah, at least a, have like this strange. huge, strung out battle if you're really going to make a thing of it. So that's why I don't think that you can even really consider the soup terrorists argument because if it was going to be that type of thing, you would have wanted someone like uh, the uh, the. Who who's the guy that died in the very beginning? Translucent? No, 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 not the, the of this season. The the soup terrorist. Oh, the oh, the soup terrorist. Um, yeah, uh, the light guy. Um, yeah, fire guy. Yeah, yeah, he, that did. Guy. he did have he a did. name, and he yeah, also I'm had sure. a slogan too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah he, they were was... building a slogan for him. As yeah, well. like, like I would imagine Khalib. No, not Nakib. Nakib. There you go. If you yes. were gonna push the soup terrorist thing, like. It would be more reasonable if you were going to make that argument if a guy like Nakib just came in and, like, you know, did his bombing thing or whatever. You know, this is someone that the soups can fight. This is why you need soups. So, but the fact that they were just kind of, okay, one and a two and a three and a, he's gone two and a three and a four. And a, I don't think that lends itself the best to the to the soup terrorist argument because like they did nothing they were just completely flabbergasted by the whole incident overall yeah i definitely think that there's a lot to be said regarding that i have one other let's well i guess let's let's fully commit to what we think is going to happen next week and what certain characters are going to be or maybe what's going to even happen moving a little bit further than that early into season three so there's one thing that i think is important to note and i think walt you kind of hinted at this if you think about it this season they've been hinting a lot at the original creator the original founder of vaught industries mr vaught himself Ah, right another thing you have stormfront who we know is like a hundred years old and has been around for a very long time oh yeah like 100 years old yeah what if and this is this is a big what if what if stan edgar is vaught what if he's had powers mm. for years I mean, look at it this way how did there has to be something to like maybe like his body i know that they're white supremacists or something like that like that's that's what they were to begin with but in the same token like it it probably makes sense that somehow stormfront got a new body or like she was de-aged or something like that no did we ever see did we ever see how she looked like when she was lady liberty yes no No, not even as lady liberty remember when she showed um the wedding photo the wedding photo so 
the the, the body swapping thing doesn't really work. You're right. That's correct. Yeah. But I don't know. I get the sense that there's there's certainly obviously more to Stan Edgar. Maybe he's not Vought. Um, but at the same time, I get even if he isn't, I feel like Vought is still alive somewhere. Maybe he's the one who has these powers. Since he was the yeah, first inventor all this, he's one of the most powerful soups, maybe even more powerful than Homelander, because Homelander couldn't do anything. Didn't seem like anyway. Right. Maybe Vaughn is still around, and he's the one kind of pulling the strings to try to create, um, I guess, well, he's, they're trying to create this white supremacist world where there are superheroes that enforce white culture. This is what Stormfront has been after. Maybe yeah. Vaughn is behind that. What do you guys think? What other thoughts do you have? I think so too, but I think it'd be even more interesting because it seems like Stormfront, at least, either because remember, I, I th- we sh- we saw that she was surprised, but she wasn't like completely miffed. Like, what mm-hmm. if she knows that this is his power, and she's yeah. like, "Wait, but I thought he was dead. What the hell?" Oh, so maybe that adds that extra layer of okay maybe this is something i gotta investigate yeah i agree because it looks like like even though homelander and stormfront and all of them are pulling the strings they don't know everything that's going on certainly because you have other people like possibly stan edgar and possibly vaught pulling the strings uh, above and beyond what the soups are trying to do especially homelander exactly Mm -hmm. that makes a lot of sense what other theories do you guys really have about what's going on I How think they're going the to get out of this. <laughs> I, I think the kid is also going to be very instrumental because the kid plays in phenomenally well to their white supremacist, perfect Aryan esque race type, uh, you know, the, that boat wagon that they're doing. Because they've been doing this whole time, oh, well, you know, um, we want to get the the perfect race you know uh soups everywhere powers for everyone you know but now that this kid is also perfect for them because not only is it a soup kid it is a pure soup kid quote unquote he has the white hair the blue Mm -hmm. eyes i mean not the white hair the blonde hair the blue eyes he's white storm i think stormfront's gonna like hey look this is Nazavanya, you know? <laughs> the perfect child. Yeah, exactly. Uh-huh. So I think that, and I'm interested to see what Homeland is going to think about that too, because maybe he doesn't want that kind of exposure from his kid. Like, wait, I thought we weren't into using him. Like, sure, I wanted to be a father to him and whatnot, but we're really going to use him like this? Like, I, I'm interested to see how Homelander would potentially handle that. Yeah, I definitely agree that there might there might be like a moment almost like there's been some memes and some other things where people are talking about like that kid is like the kid from Brightburn <laughs> and we might see him actually <laughs> get into a conflict with Homelander. But it's kind of true, right? That kid is like he's like the nicer version of the kid from Brightburn, like the kid from Brightburn before he went crazy yeah. a little bit. You know what I mean? Um, so, I, you know, I got to ask you guys an opinion on this because I have a thought for where this is going to go, but it's not me coming up with a theory. It's kind of from the comics. That's probably a spoiler that I shouldn't 
talk about, right? What do you guys think? Mm, no, I yeah. think you should because I, I was actually going to talk about <laughs> the differences between the show and the comics also. So if you want to lean into that, go by, go right ahead. All right, well, I'll mention one, and I think that the show has definitely hinted that this is going to happen at some point very, 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 very soon. Um, in the comic, at a certain point, some of the boys end up taking the Compound V and getting superpowers. Right. That's one of the, um, biggest, the biggest differences between oh, the comics and the, TV, and the TV show. Yeah, eventually they get to that point. It, it's not right away. I don't know exactly where it is in the timeline in the comics, and I think Huey is the first one to actually use the Compound V, which is why I think this season there was a lot of conversation, especially a couple episodes ago, where he was like, I think I'm that guy that everybody thinks is like just a loser and can't do anything, but can actually be like a hero. I forgot what fictional characters he mentioned. Yeah. Um, but... I think that it might be leading that way. And I wasn't going to say that until they hinted at it a lot this season. And oh, maybe so that's could... what Butcher is coming up with for the last episode. That look on his face that he was like, oh, I don't want to do this, but I have to. What do you well, guys think? So he'd be like a Gohan. Well, it, yeah. it, it's different. It's it's difficult to kind of look at the comics and, and see where the show is going at because yeah, the differences between the comics and the TV show are so stark. It, it's almost as if you're, and you know what? Kudos to Eric Kripke and and Seth Rogen and 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 Evan Goldberg for taking the the original comic book and adapting it so well. But it's still different that the original the the people who love the original comic book are still getting something new in the TV show. Mm-hmm. Um, because some of the differences are, like you said, in the comics, you know, all of the heroes take Compound B, except for two, because two were born with it. Well, two, one was one. So in the, in the comic book, the female who we now know as Kimiko, mm-hmm. she ingested Compound V by accident as a baby. And that's how she got her powers. Mother's Milk was born with the powers. So he always, he always had that innate you know, um, power in him. It's the other boys that, you know, had to take the compound V and, you know, the powers that they got are akin to kind of like what Captain America is in the comic books, you know, Mm -hmm. super strength, extra resilience and things of that nature. And so a lot of the, the, it's a different dynamic in the comic book because, you know, the boys are able to go toe to toe with the seven which is different with the way the TV show is structured because they are inferior power-wise to the thing, which, you know, lends to some of the incredulity of the show because, you know, Homelander should be able to find these guys, you know, very, very easily and wipe them out. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Um, But some of the other differences in the show is that, you know, both Stillwell, Madam... Stillwell, I'm not going to say Madeline because in the comic book, his name is James Stillwell. And Stormfront are male characters, which is a different dynamic in the show. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, another one of the things is that St- Becca dies in the comic. She is not alive in the comic. And I yeah. think that's that's one of the things that the show is kind of building towards she is going to die and she's going to die for good. You know, they've already started that, that bent in my mind 
with them kidnapping um, Homelander's son. At this point, Becca then becomes a an irrelevant character, and I think that's going to th- be the thing that pushes Billy Butcher really over the edge. And probably to your point, Jose, that's the point where he says, you know what? We can't fight these guys on their terms. We've got to take a compound V to kind of, you know, even the odds. You know, mm-hmm. I think the Billy Butcher, his whole bent up to this point was to kill Homelander. And then when he found out that Becca was alive, you see him during the season kind of pulling back. And like you said, he sees Huey as this canary that, you know, and, and he recognizes that he may have gone extreme at some points. And I think if you kill off Becca proper, and I hate the fact that you have to fridge a female character to get a male character to that point, but I think yeah. it's necessary to drive this story forward because I think that's going to be the tipping point where it's like you've already suffered it once. That was bad enough. I can't suffer it again. Now we have to do whatever we have to do to stop these guys. You know, I agree. I agree yeah. that that's going to be something interesting that we're going to explore probably in season three quite a bit. Maybe, the other, maybe season two. What's the up? other interesting point is, um, and it deals with Becca also, and it does a deal with Starlight also. Starlight, first of all, her attack wasn't done by the Deep. Um, it was done by three characters. Uh, in the comic books. The Deep actually is a more mature character (laughs) in the comics than what we're seeing in the series. Uh, I don't know which one is better. But certainly funny in the series. The Homelander (laughs) thing with Becca is very, very interesting in the comics because she does get pregnant, but it's not Homelander's kid. So... um, I, I don't know if I should really go get into that because that could be a huge spoiler for the show going forward if they get into it. Okay. You know what I'm so let, let, let's if they not get into then, it. No. But <laughs> it, it's it I'll just say it this way, it's not his kid and there is a friction that occurs because of that. But like I said, it, it's hard to look at the comic books because they've changed so much to what the show is doing, but I think you can get bits and pieces of it and kind of try and figure out. Like I said, I think Becca has to die, unfortunately. You know, I think they've made her an irrelevant character. They tried to keep around as long to try and ground Homelander, but now he doesn't need her anymore because he has Stormfront. Stormfront is right, mm-hmm. exactly. Yeah. So he's he's already built his own little nuclear family already. Just what he wanted. Becca, beca- Becca becomes mm-hmm. an irrelevant character. She now serves just to drive Billy Butcher insane so that he takes that next step. That's my opinion. I will say, and then I think it's time to close out this week. We had a lot of theories, but there's a couple of very quick things I want to mention. One is, I think it's really, really, really important that we remember that for some reason, it seems to me like the boys are being spared. Somebody is keeping them alive. Something is making it so that Homelander can't kill them. Because right. if you think about it, they could have killed all of them at the beginning when Rainer's head exploded. They were all there. Absolutely, yeah. So they're being kept alive, I think, probably to move this narrative where the soups are fighting all of these, these external enemies, these terrorist humans, these terrorist soups. They have all these enemies from all sides. And I think that's helping them to build the case that soups are necessary. 
Mm. Uh, you want last... to hear a very? Oh yeah, go ahead. Sorry. Oh well, yeah, I'm sorry. Go ahead and 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 respond no, to that. I, and I just... just want to get a little Easter egg or a bit of trivia that I thought was funny. Go ahead. The most outlandish thought ever. Mm-hmm. What if Vought is trying to take down Vought, but not making it easy? Vought is trying to take down Vought. What What do you mean? How did well the boys? Mm-hmm. It looks. If you look at it this way, mm-hmm. Vought could have. Uh, if it is Vought again, not saying that it is, but if it is, and it's his power, and he could have just completely destroyed them when he was with Rainer. You know, it, if you look at it that way, what if this, in a very weird, very. Well, uh, very mastermindy, pulling the strings way. He's mm-hmm. pushing them to take down Vought in the way he wants, and maybe it's not clear why he well, would want that to happen. But can, what if there is some sort make, of payoff to that? You can make the case, and to to you know use your your scenario. You can make the case that Vought is distraught. <laughs> like that, right? He he, he he doesn't like the 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 direction that the company has gone, and and you go back to some of the earlier discussions where, you know, Mister Edgar is talking about we are a pharmaceutical company, and maybe what Vought is thinking, what he why Stormfront is at, you know, the forefront of this again with this, these weird um, segues, but. You know, um, Stormfront. She she is looking at this revolution where it's it's kind of like the Third Reich all over again, where it's like it's ideological, it, right? Exactly. And maybe what to your point, Andre, AJ, is that Vought is looking at it and he's looking at this corporation that he built and he's seeing that it's increasingly becoming more corporate and they're not fi- fi- following the ideological, you know press the thing that started the company where it's like you're creating soups because you want to create this new regime and you know this this genocidal thing where it's like we're going to wipe out everybody and the it's going to be unquote, blonde, world. yeah the blonde eye you know blue the blonde haired blue eyed mm-hmm. superhero that the superman that will take over and inherit the world so you can make the case that Vought is saying, you know what, it's time that we take down Vought the corporation and get back to my ideological war, you know, and and do that. You know what I'm saying? Vought so, is a war machine. Yeah, so maybe that's that you can make a case that that could be it if you're going to go that down that route. I think we definitely all agree that Vought is probably still alive. <laughs> yeah, I think that that's, that's pretty apparent. Alive. It seems pretty apparent, I would say. Yeah. All right. So I want to mention this one last thing because I was, you know, doing a little bit of research and I saw a bit of trivia that I thought was funny. Very, very quick, very simple. Um, this is, I found this on techradar.com and some of the trivia, this is, uh, I'll read directly from the website. It's a case of art imitates life when Black Noir's tree nut allergy is revealed. Actor Nathan Mitchell's real life allergy inspired the writers. So that's where that came from for anybody yeah. that's wondering like how they came up with that. I thought that's, I think that's pretty cool. It was like, Hey, how do we come up with a weakness for this guy? Well, I'm allergic to tree nuts. <laughs> Bam. Perfect. That's your kryptonite tree nut. That so 
that was definitely a fun little moment. Plus, it also it definitely gives him more motivation in that scene when he asked that girl to throw out the Almond Joy because he must hate Almond Joy in real life. <laughs> For real. All right, man. That was a... <laughs> That was an awesome conversation, guys. We had a lot to say this week about the new Minecraft update, Minecraft Live, which will be releasing sometime in summer of 2021. We talked a little bit about Star Wars Squadrons, mostly single player. We'll get some multiplayer impressions for you guys, and we'll slip that into an episode in the next couple of weeks. Uh, And boy, do we have a good conversation about season or season two, episode seven of The Boys. Next week is the finale. All you geeks out there, make sure you catch it because I'm sure we'll have something to say about it uh, after we watch it this coming Friday. As well, please check out some of our previous episodes. Last week, we talked about WandaVision and what's going to happen in the MCU as a result of that television show. We talked about Microsoft and the bombshell of them purchasing ZeniMax and Bethesda. The week before, we talked about the PS5 showcase. We talked about The Boys Season 2 a little bit more as well. Mandalorian Season 2 and some She-Hulk casting. We talk a lot of great geeky stuff, guys. Check out our most recent episodes. And the best way to support your favorite podcast crew is, as always, to like, rate, share, and subscribe. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, iTunes, Apple Music, basically where all your favorite podcasts are sold. We want to thank you once again for dealing with any sound issues or artifacts. If there are any issues or any feedback that you want to give us, Please let us know whether it's sound issues or anything else. We're always excited to hear from our Get Geek fan. So anyways, this is a great episode. Thanks, you guys. And, you know, as always, I just want to say to all y'all geeks out there, as always, stay geeky, my friends.